the opportunity for this space that we're in is I think in the infancy. I mean, CRM isn't nothing new, but like the way that mm -hmm. it's being used today is very different than way it was used in, you know, the days of act and the days of mm -hmm. gold mine and shit like that. Welcome to Analysis Paralysis. Today, we have a very special guest, a guy that goes by the name of Kelsey Bratcher, and we had met in an automation group. We were discussing automation and these different tools available to help businesses grow and how we were using them internally within our own businesses. And I saw that he has a podcast of his own called the Get Automated Podcast. It was a no-brainer for us to do a cross podcast here where we both just talk about automation efficiency. We are so on the same page. There's a, a few differences between the two of us, our core software services. So we specialize in ProsperWorks CRM and they specialize in Infusionsoft. So we have some pretty cool discussions and I think things that, that could be very valuable to many different listeners. So Kelsey, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good, Alex. It's going pretty good. I was actually pretty excited when, because we're, it's a Zapier group, right? And a uh, bunch of Zapier people, experts, I guess, chatting about Zapier. And uh, I threw out there, I was doing a podcast and Alex had kind of posted, you know, links to his episodes. It was, it was crazy to hear that there's somebody else out there that talks about the same shit that I talk about. But, uh, yep. How did you end up getting in, like share a little bit about your background and like why, you know, you're part of the program and we'll talk a little bit about that. I think it's important because it's a new thing and I, I've put a lot of uh, value in whatever it is that they're cooking up because I think that it's a, another way to differentiate myself in this marketplace. Yeah. So I got started about seven, eight years ago um, and I had a client in the home improvement space, actually my stepdad's company. And I was just doing some web development for him at the time. I was working kind of in the finance department. And then he was like, hey, uh, we need to improve our website. I'm like, well, I'm not a web developer. And he's like, great. Well, I'm going to pay you and you're going to learn web development. So I use like YouTube videos while going to school kind of full time and just figuring out web development. And then from there, um, kind of implemented a website for, for my stepdad's company and started to get a little bit better at web development and actually kind of figure out like there, there's this this thing that was like interesting to me. And I kind of fell in love with web development. So I doubled down on that. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to start a company around this. I could do this for small businesses, help them out and help them grow. So I, I tried to fully dive into this, but I was really an artisan in the space. I love doing web development properly, using all the best tools, the new frameworks, the new code, just all that stuff. And I got involved in the community. Yet my target customer base was small businesses who couldn't actually afford web development. They couldn't afford five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollar websites. They probably needed a one to five thousand dollar website. And there's this really tough cognitive dissonance going on with me where I wanted to produce these fifty thousand dollar websites, uh, but I could only get clients that only want to spend a couple thousand. They didn't even really care that much about what I was doing. So I got frustrated in that space and I, I ended up moving more over to online marketing because I'm like, hey, uh, value prop is totally there. I can set you up on AdWords. I can set you up on Facebook ads and you get more business and then you'll start valuing my our services because we're actually bringing in business for you. Whereas a website was kind of like, it doesn't matter if you have a one, $2,000 website or $50,000 for small businesses, probably not going to make a crazy amount of difference. Um, and then from there, I just kind of went on a little bit 
further, didn't get many clients. I was only doing like five, ten thousand dollars a year in business as I was getting started. And then I kind of went over to the IT space. So I took these existing clients I had. I started just kind of doing IT support services for them because I figured there's like, here's a value prop. Like every company that I have as a client, they don't have an IT person and it's kind of a mess. So I could be that IT person for them. So I, I really got in that area for a bit and then realized that it's tough because a lot of companies don't actually, I don't want to say like appreciate, but I guess appreciate their IT person or that it's actually a service that's needed significantly. So all this just went on for a while. We're like six years, slowly growing the business, going from doing, you know, 5,000 a year to 10,000 to, you know, 20 and then like 30. I'm like, this is just going slow and I don't feel like I could really show value enough for these companies. Like, there's something that I can actually do to help them out. And that's where I kind of fell into automation. So this home improvement client of mine, he was not being efficient at all with sending out proposals to his customers. And he would spend two, three, four hours building out a proposal in Microsoft Word, copying it out and just doing all of these things, turning it to a PDF, sending it. They want to make a change, comes back to him. He has to update it and then create a PDF again and send it over. It was just like a mess. And that's where I, I researched software that that would work well for sending out proposals quickly. So that was like the first time I kind of dove in and then I got into the CRM space for them and we just started implementing all of this software. And then when all the software came to play, it was like, well, can I integrate this proposal software with my CRM, with this, with this, with this? And it was like, I looked into it, found Zapier. That was like my foot in the door because I didn't know APIs. And I knew an API existed in general. I just didn't know how to use them or what they did. So Zapier was kind of that my foot in the door to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So we just implemented all this stuff for, you know, for the customer. And he was able to, in a year's time, um, able to grow his business about $10,000, $15,000 and um, and like that was that my services were paid for at that point. And then we kind of just doubled down on it and he's grown his business probably by 50, $60,000 cut back a little bit on advertising and he's still saving $20,000 a year. So he's growing his business and he's saving money and he's paying us. So it was just like, it became such a no brainer that this was the space that I dove into. That's interesting. That's interesting. So one thing that I was going to point out is, um, and I, you know, we talked before we got on the podcast, but one thing that I thought was interesting that you basically have done in ProsperWorks what I do in the Infusionsoft world. So yes. ProsperWorks mm -hmm. is uh, is it it's basically like a CRM esque uh, software as a service that mm -hmm. wraps around like G Suite, correct? Yeah, so so G Suite is kind of just like what what they they integrate as deeply as they can. So for example, what is G Suite? That's Gmail, uh, that's Calendar, that's Google Drive, and just kind of all of those services that go online with it, um, Sheets and Docs and and um, just everything. So they decided that like versus th there's CRMs out there that you could be on Office three sixty five or doesn't matter about the email that you're on, and they're like, how about we build one specifically for Google? And what it does is like it will actually you, you add your email address to you, you create an account. And when you start adding people to the CRM, it will go a year's back through your emails natively through Google's API and grab all the emails and throw it into the system. Whereas a lot of other CRMs right now, you have to BCC every email that you send out from your email provider and able in order for it to actually go into the CRM. So they just doubled down on, on integrating as deeply as possible, being able to access the entire CRM from Gmail. So I could be in Gmail responding to emails and my entire CRM is on the right hand side. So they doubled down with that, partnered up with Google and Google's actually using them internally and they're they're promoting them as the only 
Google recommended CRM. So I, that that really was interesting to me. They embraced the material design and it was just usable and, and I fell in love with it when I first started using how long, it. Uh, how long have you been using ProsperWorks? So uh, about two and a half, three years now. Personally, I've been using it, and uh, two years ago was actually when I first started the partnership with them. At that point, they had about 15, 20 employees at the company, and I reached out, hey, I love your software. Do you do you do you know partnerships that, that we could kind of embrace? And they connected me a week later with a new employee um, who was actually starting that division up, so they actually didn't have any partner thing in place. So I was actually one of the first ProsperWorks partners. Now they're at 200-plus employees two years later, $83 million in venture backing, and they're growing like crazy. So uh, I got in a good time where people actually know of me there. And and you know, with, with Infusionsoft, like you build a relationship with people there. They know you. Whereas like if, if you or me jumped into Salesforce right now, they wouldn't give a shit about us. Like yeah. we're tiny. So. Until you put up the big numbers, they don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there, or you do something really in, in, impressive or incredible inside that space. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really. And so to get started early, I think uh, at the beginning, because yeah, I mean, you got in before it was really a thing, right? I mean, at twenty employees, I mean, they had oh, yeah. probably had customers and, and use case and this kind of thing, but it wasn't like uh, it's not well known. It wasn't going to be uh, widely used by people. But with two hundred employees and that kind of venture backing, that is, uh, it means that they're here to play. And so the yeah, and I I've been following ProsWorks kind of lightly because you know that's okay. what you do when you're. Uh, uh, automation yeah, nerd, yeah. being aware of what I mean, because CRM plays such a critical role. Now, mm-hmm. in in ProsWorks, like one of the big things, that, like Infusionsoft touts, is it's primarily focused on sales and marketing activities. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. uh, its sweet spot, specifically for small businesses. Um, so there's a lot of marketing automation elements in place, like email marketing. There's some uh, web based, like uh, they have like their event tracking mechanism that goes on your website Mm -hmm. there's uh you know stuff that activity that you do inside the crm from like a workflow perspective that can interact with it and then of course Mm -hmm. there's like its api and like how to expand the functionality through there uh prosworks is a little bit different and i think uh what what was impressive to me is it is more of a i don't want to say traditional crm because it's not the right word but the uh or word choice but the the thing that i've noticed about prosperworks is that it is kind of like the what the modern iteration of what a CRM is. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. it's very clean. Um, usability appears to be fairly straightforward. There's not like a bunch of extra bullshit. Like if you look at uh, certain elements of Infusionsoft, it, you know, it's due for a facelift. We'll just say that. It's got a lot yeah. of 1998 mm-hmm. style shit. <laughs> not, maybe not 1998, but uh, let's go at 2007. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And things move so quick in, in the web development space that it is crazy how quickly outdated a, a web app can feel that honestly, if you're not doing a major overhaul for your SaaS product once a year, once every couple of years, it starts feeling far behind. Um, and, and I think that's where to be in the space that you and I are in, I, I don't know if you're the same way, but like when I hear one of the web apps that I use on a regular basis is getting a massive overhaul, I get stoked. Whereas I know that their average user base gets terrified and they complain. Like every time Facebook is overhauled, like there's everyone's just this backlash. Whereas I get so excited because it's like, what research do they do to figure out how to improve it? How is this going to make my job easier? How can I do more with the software now? for my clients and for myself that you almost need to have that mindset and love change, embrace change versus, uh, you know, being scared of it. Yeah. There's a, 
an update actually happening in the Infusionsoft land. They're getting a much needed overhaul um, to br- oh, to bring great. it up to current year status. We'll call it. Uh, I okay. am skeptical. I am skeptical because mm-hmm. I've seen them fuck it up bad in the past, and yeah. I I hope that it doesn't go that way this time around. I know that I from what I've seen, there's already a lot of improvements from a. I'm a person trying to use Infusionsoft to to run my business. But there's like from the power user back end, there hasn't been a whole lot revealed to how that's going to be managed. I mean, there's oh. there's theoretical shit that's been thrown around, but uh, I've not seen anything. I'm I'm nervous that they're going to sacrifice. Uh, we'll call it they you know the term is feature parity. So there's mm-hmm. certain shit that is just like stuff that's stupid in the tool, and it yep. just needs to go away or be completely overhauled. And it, like parity is not you don't want to have parity to something that sucks. You know what I'm saying? Where like, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. If it's a terrible thing, then why would we try to make it? Uh, why would we mm-hmm. try to make it, you know, again? So instead, mm-hmm. let's go back to the drawing board and do it the way it should have been done originally. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to see what those things look like specifically. Like in, I know in Prosworks, when we had spoke before, you had kind of shown me what the, what managing a pipeline or sales pipeline with opportunities yep. looks like. Uh, it's a Kanban focus. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very clean. Like it's very specific as far as what information you can deal with within an opportunity. And in Infusionsoft, mm-hmm. it's a relic, right? There's a lot of elements mm-hmm. that are a relic from before I even got familiar with it 10 years ago. And uh, there's shit that doesn't do anything today. And then there's been new tools that have been implemented, like a quote tool and 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 other elements that specifically have to deal with the transactions that occur. And those don't even fucking mm-hmm. work with the opportunities. So like, uh, it's completely ass yeah. backwards. Like, it, it should have been something that, when quotes were introduced, the quotes were associated to the opportunity records, or at least mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that's a little bit interesting about Infusionsoft is that it is contact centric more than it is like a ca- account uh, yeah. based, right? So mm-hmm. in a lot of CRMs, you're gonna have like an account record, even if you only have like one contact um, mm-hmm. attached. It's not like a standard thing, but. Uh, a, ver- a, vo- a lot of CRMs have that. And Infusionsoft yep. does not want it. You can have an account or what they call a company record, but it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't fucking do anything. It's just. So, so that's, that's where it's interesting. So um, for Prosperx, it really is built with the mindset of B2B uh, in the sense of you're probably going to be doing business with companies and not necessarily people. Um, but that plays so pretty much like it's almost difficult to create a person without creating cost company you can and that's built natively in the system but what's interesting is some of my largest clients and users of prosperous are actually b2c companies so home improvement companies and painting companies and they just simply don't create companies and they have to just do a little bit out of the way or some of the automations that we build have to be like you know don't create a company here so it is interesting that i think there are a lot of tools like what you're mentioning prosperous is built with the mindset of b2b but it does work it's so flexible to work uh in whatever way that you want and i think like you mentioned um part like you don't know the changes that are coming to infusionsoft and i think that's one of the things that i've put all of my eggs kind of in the prosperworks basket because i've been so involved in their community forums and they're pulling me in constantly for user experience feedback sessions they're showing me like hey here's stuff that we're working on we're in drawing phase like we don't even know if we're going to implement this what do you think what's your feedback and i and i get to give them feedback based on all of my customers their complaints and i could start i start seeing these similarities between customers I could then push it and relay it over to Prosperworks. And then they they take that from all their partners and and everyone. 
And then they kind of show like, hey, based on your feedback and everyone else, here's what we're thinking about building. What do you think? And I feel like I'm actually helping them build the software. And I think that's something that's invaluable for me because it, it, it makes me feel involved in the process. Because part of me, I would love to build a CRM myself, build it the way that I feel like my clients need it as. But the amount of resources, like you'd probably have to throw a few hundred thousand dollars to get a minimal viable product that, that would actually start competing in the market. And that's not what my job is. I love automation. Um, I don't I don't think I should be building a CRM. So this is my way that and I could kind of build a CRM in a strange way and, and be prepared with what's going to be coming out to ProsperWorks and keep my clients up to date and, and kind of relay their feedback and make it so that they actually hear it um, versus just saying, oh, yeah, we'll pass it along to the team and they know it's not going right, anywhere. Right, right. Now, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I get pulled into uh, the you know, user testing, shit like that, because mm -hmm. uh, one uh, former employee status, people that still yep. do, people that I still work, I worked with five years ago are still there and they recognize, you know, my, I guess, authority in the space. But the, mm -hmm. uh, the, there, it's a little bit of a mystery on like what exactly it's going to be like. And that's the part that I find more frustrating this time around than in the past. Mm -hmm. And And I would like to be included in that way. But mm -hmm. it just seems like they're not. I, I the thing is, I I don't bite my tongue. Like I'm not gonna tell someone how awesome something is when it sucks. And that's uh. Yep. I think that sometimes people get their feelings hurt when I talk to them at Infusionsoft. <laughs> oh, for sure. But like they, they that's those are the actually the best uh, partners. You know, the ones that will actually speak up and tell them how it is, but still love the software at the end of the day. It's like, you know, I'm telling this, I'm telling you this because I love your software. I'm not telling you this because I want to offend yeah. you. you. It's know? like I'm a parent and like, uh, you're yeah. talking to your child. It's like, I'm not telling you this because I want to hurt you. I'm telling you this because mm -hmm. I care about you and I want you yeah. to uh, succeed. And I mean, mm -hmm. I've latched my whole, the past 10 years of my life, all the money that I've earned in the past 10 years is attributed to Infusionsoft, either when I was a salaried mm -hmm. employee or, I mean, I even started a fucking business <laughs> around that yeah. tool. So yeah. it's it's one mm -hmm. of those things that I have to, you know, I struggle with. But, like, uh, mm -hmm. part of the reason why I started this podcast is I wanted to kind of get out of this space a little bit, talk to other people that are doing shit in others, other places, mm -hmm. like, in your case, ProsperWorks. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that this is a good transition. And, and I want to talk about kind of what some of your favorite tools are uh, I know Zapier for me is on the Zapier is probably at the top of my list with Infusionsoft mm -hmm. in the mix because it is just what I've been born into. And, and like I said, on previous podcasts, I have a free account for the rest of my life. So unless someone yeah. wants to make yep. a better deal <laughs> than that. Yeah, no. And I think that's massive. Like I, I heard you say that in the last episode and I'm like, you know, I, I hope Infusionsoft is like hearing this. It's like one of their top talented automators are pretty much saying, I'm willing to leave your platform unless you, you start kind of, in, you know, embracing overhauling things. And like, in, it's like, man, like involve him in the process. And like, here's what's coming. And like, you want to keep these people around you. The amount of business that you've probably bought, brought Infusionsoft over the course of, of your time you know, working with them and, and afterwards, it's it's invaluable. And I think a lot of SaaS companies are realizing this now that the partners are really the ones that drive them, um, their, their software at a certain point, and they need mm -hmm. them. No, I mean, there's, I, Infusionsoft has definitely doubled down on that. For a long time, there was a conflict between the sales channels that they've had, right? They have mm -hmm. a direct team, which they still have. And then they have partner channel, which has eclipsed the direct team's ability to sell. Okay. And, mm -hmm. uh, so sales are primarily driven through partners, but the main thing is that they have this, 
for a long time, it was primarily sales partner focused. So partners that are more interested in selling Infusionsoft than they are in, like in my case, I, I will sell Infusionsoft when it makes sense, but I'm not actively pursuing converting people into Infusionsoft land. Like the mm. Yeah, so that's something I want to talk about because this is this is an interesting thing that I, I ran into and then we could jump into some of the software. Yeah, because when I, when I first started getting started with ProsperWorks, I was really the mindset of a salesperson where I'm selling ProsperWorks, where it's like, I want to be the one that refers you and then I get a margin. It's a small margin, um, but you know there are some people that build their business on this margin where if you close a 100-person account and you're getting a 20, 25% margin or whatever that comes out to, that could be some nice recurring revenue for just being that middleman. Um, but along with that, you're taking tier one support and there's other things that, that you have to do and manage the client. You have to invoice them. You have to take care of it. And what I've learned, the more that I work through this, I'm like, I'm not going to build a business on making margin on Prosperworks and these other SaaS companies. That's just not, there's not enough money in it for the type of customer that I'm focusing on. If I was focused on enterprise clients and things like that, then sure. Uh, but that's not the space. So I've really kind of doubled down on my services, the automation services, and kind of selling packages around the automation service offerings and the value of we're making you more efficient. So you don't need to hire Betsy or you know Don to take care of this. Instead, you're hiring us, and we're a lot cheaper than hiring a full-time employee. And and doubling down on that versus like I need to be the one that gets you on Prosperworks. So I'm actually trying to find people that are already using Prosperworks and saying we can utilize Prosperworks better. If you use our services and we talk through your business processes and everything, so is that is that similar to you? Like you went through something like that? No, as well? dude, I've uh, okay. I've never seen the opera. Like my, I'm maybe a little bit short short sighted, and I'll share a little bit like of information about some of the the, the partner space in the Infusionsoft world and kind mm -hmm. of how the inner workings of that might function. But the uh, you know I left knowing that okay, I'm really fucking good at setting up people with Infusionsoft, solving advanced problems building funnels, automation, shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I recognized the opportunity to make, earn more than what I was making in Infusionsoft as a salary. And I was I had a good salary. Ah, okay. It wasn't like I walked away from $35,000 a year. It was yeah. it was a painful yep. and very scary amount of money to walk away from. Oh, for sure. So mm -hmm. <laughs> luckily I was able to replace my income very quickly and then build my business slowly but surely over the past five years. But the... Uh, my objectives were, I'm going to do this until I figure out something better to do. And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> five years later, uh, I mean, I've started another business with a client, but it's kind of intertwined. It's more or yeah. less the same shit, just specifically focused on on Infusionsoft. But uh, mm -hmm. over the course of that time, I mean, the best way to explain is I freelance custom Infusionsoft implementation, and that involves marketing, yep. sales, and operations, you know, and expanded, you know, software suites that are available through like a channel like Zapier. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. what I look at it is okay. I don't twenty percent recurring revenue for life of the account is is basically mm -hmm. what the standard Infusionsoft partner uh, reseller yep. uh, agreement looks like. But the problem is, is that my services and the what I want to charge for my services are inappropriate for a new Infusionsoft user. Ah, uh, yeah, oh, good and point. so the the other thing is that that person unless they're coming from an environment where they already have a taste for automation, they have mm -hmm. a vision for what this is going to be. They may have a problem with executing. Uh, those mm -hmm. are people, new people that I would happily work with. Uh, but generally like a new person's like $1,500 setup fee from like, that's like the Infusionsoft mm -hmm. standard price back in the day. And people that yep. balk at that, I'm like, there's no fucking way that they're going to mm -hmm. like what I tell them of what they actually have to do to get done what they want. And so, 
yeah. I focus on serving primarily existing users and supporting mm-hmm. them. And yeah, no, that 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 you just like cleared up like something in my mind that I've been trying to work through for a while, and it, it makes total sense that uh, if you start saying like if you position yourself as like this is an implementation fee and sometimes like we, we sometimes need to charge four to eight to ten grand for quote-unquote implementation because we're going through your entire business processes we're trying to understand your entire company as a whole and that's not just a press work setup no different for you it's not just an infusion soft setup where if they're coming from something that has robust automations integrations and and these things in place and they know what they want it takes time to implement it and um, I would love to actually talk with you about how you decide um, implementation versus, you know, the recurring, because we need to maintain this. There's cost to automations and, and yeah. all this. Like, how do you decide what you charge a customer? How do you get it across to them, especially when it's like they they understand once we set up all these automations and integrations, there's going to be support and maintenance. But, you know, some months might go by where you don't even talk to us and you're still getting value. But, but they, they you know, a lot of the time I've had customers that are like, it doesn't sit well with me that I'm paying you and, and I'm not talking to you. Like, that feels weird to me. Can we can we walk through that? Yeah, I, well, a, I want to. A general. Concern. I want to take a step back real quick and just address one other element. Yeah. So, I see the opportunity in doing the services in the short term, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a, like you were saying, you do a. I don't just say to say a project for, for. Uh, we'll just say it's a five thousand dollar project, right? Mm-hmm. And so for five thousand, you're getting five thousand dollars minus cost or whatever. You're going to have some profit in that generally. Yep. Uh, well, probably a lot, but the. Uh, if you look at the recurring model of reselling a software like Infusionsoft or ProsperWorks, et cetera, the, the payout is for the life of the account. And the average, yes. the average CRM user, like once they're hooked in, they're stuck for a good chunk. They're going to be on it for two to three mm-hmm. years, if not longer, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. if you look at, okay, what's the monthly recurring revenue? Let's just say the average Infusionsoft subscription is probably like $275 a month around there. Mm-hmm. So twenty yep. percent of that, what is that like? Uh, 40, Forty. Uh, no, twenty percent of two fifty is uh, fifty bucks. So it's like sixty something month, fucking yeah. dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? But if you sell yep. ten accounts a month, that sixty dollars becomes pretty nice for nothing, mm-hmm. right? And when I say nothing, you're mm-hmm. not having to do anything. So I have a recurring commission check that I get every month from Infusionsoft for the accounts that I've sold over the my career doing this, and it's it is not mm-hmm. an amount of money that is. It, you would miss it. We'll just say that. Yeah. But there mm-hmm. are partners that have earned that earn over a million dollars a year in commissions from the Infusionsoft that they've the accounts mm-hmm. that they've sold, which is uh, almost completely passive because they they would have yeah. gotten them on board with Infusionsoft and brought them to at least the point in which they stuck around for a certain period of time. Now there mm-hmm. are are there are different use cases, right? There's some people that just want to get Infusionsoft because they like to be able to do the advanced segmentation that comes with the CRM, but then they just want to do email broadcasts, right? They want to send a broadcast mm-hmm. email to the top 20% of their customers or whatever their, their, their things are. They're not really wrapping yep. their heads around the full blown automation piece. And, and those people are great and they're easy there. You can find those people, but that's not really who I mm-hmm. serve. I'm not. Oh yeah. Totally agree. But, yeah. And that's kind of the, 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 the direction that you, that you end up finding yourself in. So where I come at things is I'm looking at it like uh, I need the cash flow now instead of over the next four years. And okay. I focus on selling my services as a, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I I try well, to do it as a way of cash flow. I guess is the way cash flow okay, is better. So, with so are you charging recurring like for, for the automations and things like that? Like are there packages that you get clients on or it's really just implementation? And well, done? it's a combination. So it may, when it makes okay. sense, like in, 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 in an automation business, right. Um, and when you're implementing automation, shit can get fucked up and, and yep. it needs to be fixed and it can, it mm-hmm. can get fucked up because of users. It could be fucked up because I fucked something up and I said, mm-hmm. Even even API updates, just like any like, there's so many. Oh things yeah, that API updates. There. There's problems that the vendor causes. A software update breaks something that was once working. Um, mm-hmm. There are servers, other down. partners yeah, getting like, involved and and uh, mm-hmm. mucking about with the things that you're. I don't. I mean, sometimes I I work with Infusionsoft users that have worked with other Infusionsoft certified partners, and sometimes mm-hmm. they fuck my shit up. And sometimes mm-hmm. I fuck that shit up, but yeah, but like you yeah. need somebody to be paying attention to be yeah. able to sort, sort that stuff out. But the other thing is yep. that uh, you know, as part of working with me, I leverage, I have agency tools, we'll call it, where I pay money to a company to be able to use their tool as much as I want, or you know, in yep. a like Zapier, for example, I use a Zapier Teams account when I have a client that needs something that Zapier offers, but they don't need their own account. One because they don't know what they're doing to be able to keep it going. They're not going to be able to get the value mm-hmm. that it offers by themselves. So I build the automation using Zapier and Infusionsoft and say G Suite. So I'm not responsible for their G Suite account, but I need to make sure that Zapier is connected to it and functioning. And I need to make sure that it's yep. also working with Infusionsoft. So the the opportun- the the thing is, is I'm building something for you today. You're paying me to do that. In order mm-hmm. to keep this thing running, you need to pay me to, to monitor it, maintenance it, because there are these things that happen. And, yep. and for the most part, I also bundle in like a monthly call that they're eligible for. It's yep. a use it or lose it. Like I'm not going to backlog a bunch of calls for somebody because mm-hmm. they didn't choose to use them. But like uh, I have like a, a modest fee that I charge for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is to keep things running. If they run their own accounts. Oh, so basically what it is is you're using my software. I'm least, I'm renting it to you. for the. It's mm-hmm. not really... Yeah. That's not really the best way to say it, but they're going to pay me. So like I have a Zapier account that's 150 bucks a month. I have a Typeform account that's almost $100 a mm-hmm. month. I have a variety of other tools that Oh, you start spending a grand plus a month recurring in just revenue. software. <laughs> or recurring yeah, recurring yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 clients that are using some combination of those tools in addition mm-hmm. to emailing me for when they something's when they have questions, when something's broke, mm-hmm. when they need to add a new user, when they need to remove a user. And you have to keep everything organized too. Like, like th- that's also what you're being paid for. For You're paying me so I keep your company in my mind that we know like you want to do something and we can do it quickly for you. Right. You know, if, if you know, otherwise they kind of fall, fall off the wayside. If it's like break fix in a sense where it's like, hey, something's broken and they're not even like a customer of yours, you have to go in and relearn their entire account. To then just make some modifications. So one way to look at it is like this, right? So a lot of HVAC companies, uh, the way that they do marketing is you come in, they do like a, let's just say, oh, they check out your water heater and they, because the HVAC are oftentimes also plumbing, you know, they're, they're mechanical Mm -hmm. shops or whatever. So they come out and they do an inspection. They fix your fucked up air conditioner, right? What they're going to offer you is a, like a package of some kind where they're going to come out twice a year change fix the thing if you know 
do an inspection and this kind of shit. And it's good for like three years. They're going to do this for you, right? You pay them 500 mm-hmm. bucks or whatever the cost is. So now you've made it so that that what may have been, because in, in that industry, it costs a lot of money to get someone to be a customer. And yep. it's all timing related. So what happens is they go and they sell these maintenance agreements. And the maintenance agreements, uh, one, allow them to provide a service that should be done anyways. But then it also mm-hmm. sets them up so that when that air conditioning goes or that hot water heater goes or when something else fucked up happens, that they're the ones that they call because they already have a maintenance agreement with them to get the replacement mm-hmm. business. So a yep. new air AC replacement is wildly, uh, it, it, from, from my understanding, I could be wrong, some HVAC expert out there, come and correct me. But <laughs> the replacement for that HVAC unit is, is profitable as hell. It's, it's so mm-hmm. profitable from what I understand that they're willing to go into a loss to get someone to sign up as a maintenance customer. So they'll spend six, $700 to get a customer for that maintenance agreement, eat the 200 so that when that AC maintenance work comes in, that they can do the replacement and, and pocket the, mm-hmm. the profits that come from doing that. And so yeah, it's, no, totally it's not, sense. it's similar to that in the sense that I'm selling a maintenance agreement to keep this thing running for you and yep. to answer your questions and to make tweaks and changes when something goes wrong. But at the mm-hmm. same time, that when you have a big project coming up, that you want to be able to implement like a new software, like say you're migrating from fucking Office 365 or GoDaddy's shitty ass email yep. to G Suite, mm-hmm. then that's that is a a project that I'm willing to to deal with, and it is mm-hmm. usually very profitable to to help someone with a migration like that because it's fairly straightforward, um, especially mm-hmm. in small business land. There's not you know 700 fucking accounts that need to be mirrored and all this other shit. There's uh, mm-hmm. you know basic G Suite integration, which is migrating those emails. It's uh, setting up Drive, getting people ac- accounted with that, and permissions, mm-hmm. and, and you know this type of thing. There, a lot of time goes into training, though. Like I think, like just project management and training is something that that never really hit me until actually I started having some larger clients where you know the amount of time you eat up just like showing them how to use things properly. You they need to have a, a customer champion really on their end. Whether it's, you know, Infusionsoft or Prosperworks or, or, you know, G Suite or whatever, they need to, you know, champion the software and, and versus it always coming back to you, especially when you get into the 20 employee plus companies. Yeah, there's that's kind there's of actually a, uh, so the, the house painter that I worked with for a long time, uh, Home Painters Toronto, there is a, mm-hmm. Brian is a friend of mine, but Brian had hired this uh, girl named Jill and she was, mm-hmm. I think, I think she was like 22 I mean, I'm 34, but I feel like 22 okay. is young. <laughs> so <laughs> she she kind of got into this world, walked into like in, in, in getting exposed to Infusionsoft and Zapier and G Suite and all these tools. And she had started, a, you know, shadowing Brian on our calls that we would have. And eventually she took over mm-hmm. them and became that person internally. And now she's left that to start her own business doing similar stuff to like what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And and yep. she had that exposure at such an early age, in my opinion, that like if she were to, uh, and Jill, if you're listening, if if you capitalize <laughs> on this for the next ten to fifteen years, you're going to be very wealthy by the time it's over, mm-hmm. or at least as wealthy as you'd like to be. Uh, yep. It's it's the opportunity for this space that we're in is I think in the infancy, and. Oh, for uh, sure. uh, Educating somehow I got ahead of the, the point of the podcast. Yeah, right? somehow we got ahead of the curve in getting into this, uh, you know, automation space. In this, uh, I mean, CRM isn't nothing new, but like the way that mm-hmm. it's being used today 
is very different than way it was used in, you know, the days of act and the days of fucking mm-hmm. gold mine and shit like that. Yeah. So can we actually talk about that? Cause this is what I'm curious from, from the more we talked and the more I've listened to your podcast episodes. Um, it sounds like that you're definitely focusing on the sales process and kind of a little bit before they're getting to be like saying the CRM and going through like understanding where you are, whereas kind of where we are, where we're, we're actually trying to not do like the lead gen area at all and just be like, okay, here we'll develop your sales process and how to handle them throughout that and how to follow up with them. And then when they turn into a customer, what are your operational internal, you know, processes and how do we turn that, you know, integrate that and build that out and automate that. So it seems like uh, we definitely, I love the operation space and I love going deep with that with a customer, but you need to learn everything about them. You need to learn everything about their business to do that. So, you know, w- what is your space like? Like, what are you focusing so on? So I don't, I don't actually fuck with lead gen. I mean, specifically the activity okay. lead gen. I don't run traffic for people. I don't have any services in, ter- in my business that does that. It's not really, mm-hmm. I, I've always been uncomfortable with the idea of it, even though it's like, it's basically strategically gambling in my mind. Yep. And I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. doing that with someone else's money because I could yep. just, I, I, I just, it gives me ulcers to think about this. It's yep. stressful for me, but like I can, mm-hmm. I can confidently build the apparatus that works in conjunction with the lead gen tool so that we can collect data at, from the, before somebody's a customer, right. Yep. And run that shit all the way through to the point of fulfillment. Right. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I, dive in that area is because I think, I believe for a small business in the next five to 10 years, the type of data that you're going to need to be super competitive is going to start before you get someone's name, Mm -hmm. right? It's going to start, you know, someone clicks on a Facebook ad, you get that brings over UTM values that are then available to you to be stored in uh, either a third party tool, tag manager can interact with those things. There are analytic software that plays a part. And there's IDs that are issued at that time period. But that information needs to be fed into a CRM so that when that person actually gives you their information to become a lead, we'll call it, yep. that now we know, okay, we spent fucking $5,000 on that Facebook ad uh, campaign and uh, $3,000 on Google AdWords. And we had our direct mail campaign of $2,000 or whatever you're spending. That information is attached to that person at that time period and is collected mm-hmm. throughout the process of sales. So now we know where they came from, the pages they interacted with, the products they're buying, the salesperson they talked to, customer service people they have interacted with, the products that they purchased. I have said that, but and then the fulfillment, right? So now, like, mm-hmm. let's say you're you're measuring your fulfillment process and your your automation. So I I believe that you have to start there, so that at the end of the game you have an accurate picture. So that in theory you could say, we had these out of a hundred customers that we set up, these twenty had problems. What is mm-hmm. the commonalities we hear? Okay, well, Joe is the sales guy. Joe's a fucking asshole, and he keeps selling these bad deals. Uh, we also got them from the shit traffic source where we spent way more money than we should have to make a non-profitable customer. And that, that's mm-hmm. the kind of shit that I, I like, but it's really mm-hmm. fucking hard to do all that shit. So I try yeah. to start people with a foundation where that might be the end goal, but nobody wants to take mm-hmm. it that far it seems like in the small business mm-hmm. space. So oh, I'm, sure. I'm working on a ways in which when I, the way I implement Infusionsoft, the way I implement a CRM or Zapier fucking the tools that I'm using, it is with this type of focus 
on, on the long game of what shit might look like in three to five years from now, right? Or, mm-hmm. or next 10 years is that the data that we're trying to, and infrastructure that we're trying to build will support the business as a long, like all the way through experience. We'll call mm-hmm. it, uh, Infusionsoft calls it like life cycle marketing, but it's, you have mm-hmm. a life cycle of the business where you have where shit's happening on the marketing advertising front all the way through the sales and interactions that you happen there to the actual, how the transit transactions occur. And then you have mm-hmm. like operational shit of like actually doing things for the customers. Now Infusionsoft isn't set up to do that operational end the way that other CRMs are. Okay. And that's okay. why I don't have as much, I don't, I don't want to say ex- experience isn't the right word. I don't deal with that very often because most of my, the people that I work with are focused on, the sales and marketing aspects of their business. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. I think that's a big distinction because um, some of the stuff that you're talking about, it almost makes me feel like that you're actually probably in Google analytics and things like that, you know, quite, quite often for, for clients. And I'm actually trying to get out of that area because I was for so long in the web development online marketing. And I really love some of the idea of actually being inside of the business. And it's like, great. Now we have a project. When when do we need to actually invoice this customer for for this service, for example? And you know, when does it need to notify the team of what's going on? When do we need to maybe post in Slack or you know create the invoice in QuickBooks or whatever you're using? And you know, when just just kind of more in, internal operations or you know, hey, once a month we need to reconcile our books or every couple of weeks. How do we get it so the admin person? knows consistently like here's the process of how to reconcile books to the point where you know Betsy maybe she was your admin person for five years how do we replace her so that someone else could come in and do her job and you need to have processes in place you need to have the documentation you need to have the operations in place and that's also what we want to help with like really documenting a lot of that which which sounds like it's a little bit out of maybe what what you enjoy doing which is funny because like I love this stuff and I actually kind of hate some of the earlier earlier on stuff like you know what pages did they visit and things like that yes it's important I fully agree super important but like there's almost a certain point where um, you almost need to focus on a specific area uh, and, I, and I think the person you had on the podcast I think it's, it's you might not necessarily remember like exactly what when it was but I think the last podcast that you just posted because i know you're a few ahead he was more i think yes yes he was more operations based um talk you know shooting over when it hits a certain trello card it then notifies the team in slack and makes them accountable like that's that's shit that i love like i love that he's he was coming at it from like a project management perspective and it's weird that Mm because he's more i mean the for my knowledge of chris is he's he is a marketing person like that's his main thing but like he's yep. doing it from like I've been working with agencies and implementing automation for them, which is an operational element that we're talking mm-hmm. about. But but if you recall, like that that tool that he does is actually used in the sales process. It is part of the sales presentation to sell the customer the shit that oh, they're yeah. buying, mm-hmm. and then they carry it into the operational side of things. And yep. and that's where uh, that's where the really kind of cool shit is taking place. And, and there's mm-hmm. definitely huge efficiencies to be gained there. But, I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those things is like without ev- without even trying, I have people coming to me and asking me, my fucking sales process is fucked up in Infusionsoft. Can, I fi- can you help me fix that? And then we go deep into yep. all the steps that are involved. And, like, you find out that, okay, so you tell somebody, somebody's like, yeah, what does this cost? And you're like, I'm going to set up a quote, a proposal, whatever the fuck they send, right? invoice Mm -hmm. and it takes them two days to get that shit ready 
Yeah. That's something that you could fix, right? Yeah. You can make it, you know, we yeah. can have that shit to you before, you know, it could be ready to be sent to them or in a state of readiness before you even fucking talk to them if you if you mm-hmm. do it correctly. And so those are those yep. are definitely efficiency gains, but but like I said it's far and few between that I find myself dealing with those. Um a, a, an example is right now I'm I have a client of mine that I'm in the middle of building an auto dialer for because okay. they're they're having problems with staying in touch with the leads that are coming in from their website, right? So we need to make that auto dialer be available to make a salesperson more effective. But also we need to associate the da- the data that we're getting from marketing to that information. And there's another system in place that their actual transactions and operations are managed because it's specific to that industry, right? So mm-hmm. where Infusionsoft or where the tool that we're using is actually dropped at the time of sale. But you know, we've integrated it so that his uh, – it's called Launch 27. It's for housekeepers and okay. uh, housekeeping businesses. It manages routes and dispatch and employee schedules and all kinds of really cool shit. But it doesn't do any of the marketing elements or even – it doesn't even really have a lot of tools for someone trying to engage in sales. And so what mm-hmm. we've done is on the back end, when, when a transaction occurs, meaning like there's a one-time cleaning or return, recurring cleaning – there's a job created and then there's a job completed, right? Meaning like the job is scheduled, it's created, you know, uh, Jack is going to go out to this address and clean it on this day at this time. After that is done, that job is marked as complete. The charge is actually ran at the time of completion. Mm-hmm. And then that information gets sent back to us on the Infusionsoft side so that we can have a marriage between our sales activity and our marketing activity. And so it closes ah, the okay. loop there. Now, I'm not a fucking Launch 27 expert, but I understand enough about how it's working and what we need to get out of it to go into Infusionsoft. And so mm-hmm. it creates mm-hmm. the more of a holistic picture. Now, it is there's some clunkiness to it. I'm not going to pretend like it's a, you know, the greatest thing I've yeah. ever built, but it is uh it's getting there. And the main thing was stepping mm-hmm. into uh their team got a little frustrated with using Infusionsoft as a CRM for managing the sales process. They were just mm-hmm. basically leveraging it for marketing. But the problem was is that his <clears throat> there was some turnover issues with sales. And so mm-hmm. you can't train someone to do sales activities and then also CRM if you're only going to be they're only sticking around for 3 months, you know. It takes mm-hmm. some time to ramp that person up. So mm-hmm. the ideal situation is we're re- implementing this dialer so that the activity doesn't have to be trained as much. And that the data output from using the dialer is automatic. And we don't need to have a person mm. saying on a spreadsheet the last time that they fucking called somebody. Yep. We're instead using a dialer to indicate that this call took place on the dialer at this time to this person. This was the outcome for that call. Mm-hmm. And we can track that information and relay it back together, if that makes sense. So, yeah, no. So, so it's interesting because like that's where, you know, I guess I, I like ProsperWorks in that it's very good with relationships and it's good with that that side of things. But like the email marketing, it there's nothing built in. And that's that's where I think a lot of the time, you know, we come in and play that role because you're talking about what software do you use, right? Like I think there's probably a good time to talk about some of that where um, there's definitely preferred software that we use. 
And that's, for example, you know, for document management, there's, there's, you know, the DocuSigns of the world. And like, we love Pandadoc, for example, because some of it, you know, integrates better with Prosperworks than others. So we're, we're definitely biased towards software that, that has more API integrations and things like that with, with the existing, with the core. I, like G Suite and Prosperworks for us is the core. No different than I think, you know, for you, Infusionsoft. And I, and I think G, it's always G Suite uh, right? for I, most of your clients. Yeah, I usually, I, I, I should have had a reseller account for G Suite for the amount of people that I've converted to yeah because <laughs> it's like oh you're using the shitty ass email that GoDaddy sold you when yeah. you bought your domain it's such a limitation it when you start getting like going deep um there's so much you could even do with because email is that core and if you are using something like Gmail even like the Zapier integration it has and all the other things you can do with like you can label to trigger off an event and like you just do all of this stuff or auto forward to a parser that could then push it and do all these other things and like it's so powerful that you don't want to skim on email. We're talking about you know five ten dollars per user per month, depending on the tier that you're on. And it is such a good trigger system to start off these automations and to keep everyone kind of well, on just track. To, just take a step back for a second. I mean, just so you you have people that are like go get a go they start their business, they register their domain, they sign up for hosting. It's all through GoDaddy, and then GoDaddy mm-hmm. has a little upsell. Oh, do you need email with that? And then they yeah. sell them their shit. Like two, yeah. Like two pop three, <laughs> pop three, two hundred oh, megabyte yeah. file size, like limit, like yeah. And like you have to delete emails and shit like that. They're, they're mail client. You could choose from one to six, and all of them are terrible. <laughs> yeah. And then it sucks. Spam detection. And then there's yeah. there's like a really poor, uh, you know, there's no like groups, there's no like distribution lists or whatever mm-hmm. they're called in the platform you use. It's, yep. it's it's really shitty. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it's really shitty of them to offer that to their customers when they could just yes. offer G suite, which I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that they are, that G suite can be offered through a service like GoDaddy. Yes. I think they partnered with Microsoft. I think oh, you could do, they, do office, office 365 with GoDaddy. I think so. Shame, but it's, shame. but they even sell their stuff more than they sell. 365. So that's the, that's the, <laughs> yeah, problem. but it's not doing what's best for their customers. And, yes. and that's, that is a criticism that I have of them, mm-hmm. but the, uh, G suite by itself, Getting someone to go on to that, um, I mean, it opens up massive possibilities. I mean, the way I have yeah. my G Suite set up, I don't. It doesn't fucking matter what computer I'm on because I can just log into my G Suite account, yeah. and and be able to get access to all my files, all my emails, my calendar, uh, any slides, spreadsheets, fucking reports that I built with Google Data Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fucking badass, and uh, yep, <clears throat> and it's only like ten bucks a month. And the only reason I'm paying ten dollars a month is because I want fucking unlimited storage with Google Drive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm already yep. up to like over a terabyte of data that I'm storing on on Google Drive. So yep. it's it's in in the equivalent of like a OneDrive, I think, or Dropbox. You're doing a terabyte. It's it's not cheap. No. Nope. And you're only getting Dropbox. You're not getting fucking the rest of G Suite. And so, and the integrations that that comes yeah, with, right? For sure. I mean, Dropbox. If people like Dropbox, it's fine. But Go- it is it, it is a great service. Yeah, but Google but Drive is better. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, it's about, with, with with Drive File Stream. Like, bef- we I, I feel like we probably both could have agreed before Drive File Stream. It was pretty shitty. That Sync client was terrible. It was terrible. The original Google Drive Sync client was really bad. Yeah. Because I don't sync the files to my computer. Let me just make sure. Nope. I sync one. There's one folder that I sync to my Google Drive, and that is my Mm -hmm. Zoom folder. So when I save my, when I close the Zoom and I'm like using it for this recording, that Google Drive with Google Apps Script is going to upload that file to that, to that synced file, right? Yeah. Then it's going to move it to a different file so that it removes it from my computer. Yeah. 
and that's and great. that and, yeah that way I'm not consuming actual hard disk space on my computer. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. No, I mean, if- and I think that's that's where like some of the the IT space that I was in because before this, when I was doing IT for customers, I would have to install the sync client on everyone's computer and it would actually have to sync the information because they wanted to use a, a native drive on their computer. And then you'd run into storage space issues or some, Betsy's editing a Microsoft Word document while Bob is and Jim is and it saves and it, it overwrites or like the sync client was just a mess. So that's where it's like embrace the Google ecosystem, use docs, use Sheets. I understand Sheets is different than Excel, but like Sheets has APIs and I think it is more user-friendly in many ways. Yes, there are certain things that it's missing or different than Excel, but you can figure out how to do it. And it's like at the end of the day, the integration and the API that Sheets has that that Excel does not like for, for us as, as automation experts, like that's where it's invaluable. You know, I mean, if you're in the Microsoft world and you're doing Microsoft shit, uh, mm-hmm. Excel has a lot more functionality that works with their yeah. tools, right? And then you do get VBA, like macros and shit like that, but like you get Google Apps Script with Google Sheets. Mm-hmm. And that. Hey, did you see Sheets just came out with macro functionality? You can literally just do something, record it, and plays it back. No, I, I'm not yeah. saying beyond macros. Like you, you record oh, okay. the macro, right? That's fine. That's yep. cool. But like I'm talking about doing VBA script to do the equivalent of what you can do with like Google Apps Script. Uh, gotcha, and so like, gotcha. yep. in, instead of like, I mean, I'm fair, I'm more comfortable with JavaScript than I am fucking VB. I mean, I, yeah, same. the last time I used mm-hmm. VB was in my fucking sophomore computer class with Mr. Wamsley. And that guy didn't know shit about fucking <laughs> VB. So like, oh, uh, guy. <clears throat> it was, uh, it, I mean, I learned Google Apps Script. There's actually a guy that, uh, I bought this, uh, he's like a, he he teaches. He has a courses. His name is Ben Collins. I mm-hmm. I want to get him on the podcast because he's a fucking badass. Like uh, <laughs> he used to do like forensic uh, accounting, right? So he oh, was like a geez. badass okay. in Excel and then Google Apps or G Suite. Well, he mm-hmm. makes these dashboard courses for G Suite and like an introduction into Google Data Studio. And then he just had a webinar yesterday that I haven't watched. I I registered for it, but it's for like advanced use of the query function in Google Sheets, right? Oh, okay. And the query mm-hmm. function is like basically a SQL style query for your sheet. So ah. so it makes doing things, like let's say you wanted to, you have a big ass list of data, right? Let's say 10,000 rows and say uh, 15 columns, right? It's a shitload mm-hmm. of data. And you can use filters and sort and do that kind of shit with the, the built-in functions. But the query function can let you preset those things and show you maybe you only want to see four of those columns and maybe you only want to see the rows that contain a certain value and that's all you want to pay attention to. The query mm-hmm. function is is a way to achieve that. Um, okay. It's also a way to like filter down the lists and then even more badass is that you can have one Google Sheet, right, that has your data in it and you can have another Google mm-hmm. Sheet that queries that Google Sheet to get that information. Ah, okay. So it, it's it's pretty powerful. The only time I've mm-hmm. run into issues, like I actually had to get fucking Microsoft. I, I hadn't used a Microsoft product in five years. Since I started my business, I've been on, on Apple computers and I'm doing okay. uh, everything on G Suite, pretty much. Any kind of business yep. work related, Word docs, shit like this, or not Word docs, just docs. Uh, <clears throat> I do all that shit in G Suite, so I don't need fucking Microsoft products. But I had to deal with some giant ass fucking spreadsheet, dude. Mm. And, and uh, there's two million cell limit in in G Sheet, 
right? In, Go- in okay. Google Sheets, there's yep. two million cells, and so you can do that in Excel. It's not. I'm not saying you should mm-hmm. or why it's good, but like you can deal with a large ass yes. file a lot better than mm-hmm. you can in G Sheet. But what you do in Google, I mean, uh, my my uh, employee Brandon is adept at Python. And so Ah, whenever we have a massive CSV, we just have them break it up into four equal chunks or five equal chunks Okay, and Mm -hmm. uh, and deal with it through there. Um, It it makes it a lot easier. And I'll say like the scenario is like, have you, how many people have you migrated into ProsperWorks? Um, Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I'd say 60% of our clients are not using ProsperWorks. So it's been a migration. You migrate from something, right? Yeah, sometimes really old stuff with terrible exports. <laughs> yeah, and you're having to basically join a bunch of databases together, kind yeah. of thing. Yep. So in mm-hmm. that in that situation, typically dealing with a, the, an export from another CRM, Excel has more function in terms of dealing with file size than yeah. what G Sheets offers natively. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that could be overcome if it wasn't a fucking browser plugin or like a browser yeah. tool. Like it, there's actually like a. It's- it's a blessing and a curse, though. Like that's like the fact that you can access it from any computer, anywhere, like whatever. Um, you know, the idea that like I have a Chromebook and I don't need to have any software installed on it, and I can do my work. But yeah, now there's a limitation. The fact you don't have a piece of software installed that could handle a massive spreadsheet, like blessing and a curse. Right? Yeah, I mean, I've learned command line shit, and I know I know command line functions to deal with large data sets. Um, mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I'm on a Mac, because you have a Unix command line to fuck with yeah, to really giant yep. ass files. And I, you got the same. Mm-hmm. You got command line access on Chromebook. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's built on on top of Linux. Yeah, I figured, but I didn't know if they like lock you out of that or. No, you can you can access some stuff with that. Like you you could even install Ubuntu as in like dual boot into Ubuntu type thing. Can you do like virtual machines? It. Oh, we're getting fucking deep in it. Yeah, yeah, no, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can have a virtual Ubuntu environment and just, like, literally command line into it and boots up. And you could just we're getting it. a little too deep into yeah, when you yeah. start, start <laughs> command line jargon. Yeah, yeah, let's get <laughs> let's back, just on. back on track. But the idea of is yeah. uh, you don't need that shit. So, mm-hmm. G Suite, I mean, I'm a, fa- I'm a huge fanboy. There's, I got into a little bit of a Facebook debate over privacy related elements. So I guess Microsoft yeah. has some uh compliance uh advantages over g suite like especially mm-hmm. like in a larger scale business or certain industries it's kind of like uh yep. de facto like you have to use this because it it's the only thing that provides the security layer that they need or or whatever and yeah. and, and in yeah. those environments okay. it's like okay but let's talk about the rest of the small businesses out there in which g suite is substantially more appropriate yes. for mhm yeah, Microsoft is and still will be for like that enterprise enterprise space where you're talking about, you know, 50,000, 100,000 employees um, if you really want to lock some of that down. But like for small business, if you're if you're less than 1,000 employees and I know even some schools and stuff with with 5,000, 10,000, you know, 50,000 um, and they're running G Suite and it works great. It's just like for small business space for getting up and running on G Suite and utilizing all the tools and just everything it gives you for how cheap it is. It you know I just feel like Microsoft is not even in the same realm with that. No, they've neglected that marketplace. I mean, there's mm-hmm. uh, I mean Office three sixty five is a step in the right direction, for sure. But it's mm-hmm. I mean on a as an Apple user, I feel forsaken by Microsoft, and mm-hmm. so. Yes. Um, 
and it's not that I'm I'm an Apple user because I I prefer the environment over Microsoft mm-hmm. Windows, right? I used to be a big yep. PC gamer, and you wouldn't ever buy a Mac for that purpose because it's mm-hmm. it's inferior. Uh, but I don't do that anymore, and so mm-hmm. I mean yep. I still have a PC that's sitting here; it's unplugged, and uh, <laughs> it you know it is set up to do games because I'll occasionally play with my daughter, but they're not. I probably won't be buying a PC again is the way that I look Mm -hmm. at it. Unless something really crazy with virtual reality comes out that I have to have, which I don't anticipate happening, but you get the idea. Yep. Totally. Uh, Let's see here. So then uh, kind of to go back to the software, I mean, we talked about a whole bunch of shit. Uh, At what, what, at what point were you like, I've talked about this aha moment stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've gone way past the idea of the aha moment, but the yeah. what was it for you that kind of triggered in your head where you're like, holy shit, all this stuff is so badass, and like you can make it work together, and like what was it for you yes. that, that made that happen? So uh, a couple of things actually. Um, the the first was just like understanding the value of documenting the process, and then and once you have a documented process, that's when you can start automating. So like being a small business owner, I'm also doing admin. I'm you take you wear all the hats, right? So well, every month I need to reconcile my books. And I would I would go and reconcile my books and it would take me like four or five hours. And I would have to like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, this stupid thing acts like this. And I get it. You know, I just do these things over and over and over and forget about it from month to month. And then I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute. Documentation. I documented how I reconcile books and I found out like, okay, here's everything I'm doing. And then it would take me an hour and a half to do it. And then every month I would jump back and do it, be totally out of it. And completed an hour and a half. And I'm like, holy shit, like there's consistency here just because I'm following this process I created. And that was one of these big, big moments for me because it, it took this thing that would take me five hours to do per month. And it was now consistently on the dot an hour and a half consistently. And I'm growing and there's more stuff involved with reconciling, but it takes me an hour and a half. So I took that mindset and pushed it over to a couple of clients in many different facets of the company. And that was like, you know, the my, my stepdad's company, really that, that proposal software implementing that where he was taking four or five hours doing it to then building this modular, you know, uh, proposal software. And it took this four hour, five hour sometimes custom proposal to be built to now only take 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And he fully embraced it and it took the learning curve with it. But then he came to me and he was just like, I can't believe it. I just took this proposal that was going to take me four hours and I did it in 30 minutes and I sent it out. I just, and, and he started closing more proposals, paying more attention to customers. And he came to me one day about a year after really building in a lot of these automations between the CRM. So like you mark the, the customer from a lead to now an opportunity. Well, it, it creates the proposal. It pushes all the data in from the CRM into the proposal. So there's a lot of stuff that you don't have to manually fill out. And between him just following that process and having consistency there and having it documented, he came to me and he was like, I don't need to hire an admin person. And I can't believe it. He's like, you just saved me $45,000, $50,000 to not have to hire someone. And I can't believe it. And and him saying that, a customer of mine saying that was this trigger in my mind that I was like, I can't believe it. You know, I see the value myself because I'm my, my business is scaling and grown quite substantially and I don't need any employees, I, I need to hire employees, but like um, the amount that I could do and manage myself because of automation has allowed me to scale my business to be able to do 200 plus thousand a year 
by myself. And I know I wouldn't be able to do it without automation. So all those things together was kind of that aha moment, you know? That's uh, that's pretty badass. I mean, that kind of feeds into like another topic that I try to go over is like approximations of time saved. And mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the example you gave with your the, the quote process for your stepfather's business, uh, yep. you said it takes him four hours to do this before. Now it's basically 30 minutes. So that's three hours, and 30 yep. minutes per and the guy mm-hmm. probably does 50 to 100 of those a year or more. Oh, he does 400. Okay, a year. so 400 yeah. proposals. Yep. Like uh that's Should I run math. Yeah, I mean we could run the math, but I feel like it it sets itself. It's 4 yeah. How much did you say? 400? Uh, yep. 400 times 3 and a half. So like uh 1320. Yeah, 1320. 1320. <laughs> Hours. Hours. So uh, let's do it by days. So it saves you 55 days, 24 seven. Like it's, and that's just insane. You know, the amount that you can scale and, and, and you get more from that. Like you hire employees and now that 400, um, the, the time savings that comes from that is just like, it, it goes to every single employee. And then that just, that's what allows a company to grow that uh, scale. That's what makes a company a company versus just being a freelancer. When you actually have these systems and processes and these time savings, and you can hire one person and get like three times output from one person. And that's where a different competitor, they would have to hire three people to do what you just did with one person. And that gives you that that advantage. And you really start seeing the value of automation there. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I do. I mean, Brandon is, uh, I, I've, I've tra- trained him up, leveled him up. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. subs- he's self-sufficient for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. occasionally, uh, there's some wonky shit that I have to tap into my, my, my memory palace <laughs> to access <laughs> or some shit like that. Um, yeah. or it's, uh, because I didn't give him enough information to do it correctly. Uh, it's mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I, which I accept responsibility and he's going to hear this. So, uh, but, yeah. but yeah. I, I'm able to do some pretty badass shit with an extremely lean team of just myself mm-hmm. and Brandon and been able to achieve, uh, some fairly significant, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like basically the, yeah. the, the biggest problem with, uh, uh, hiring somebody at this point was the ego hit that it took of like what revenue per employee yeah. is. Right. <laughs> so I have to yeah. divide it by yep. two. And so, uh, mm-hmm. that was, uh, that was the only ego hit that I say, saw, but like the thing that I have Brandon taken care of is a lot of the, um, I don't want to say repetitive, but like at this point I've been at it for, I lost track after 20,000 hours of doing this kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you should be growing your business. You should be spending your time on, on, the, on the big things, like the CEO type role, and then like the crazy structure for the implementation. Yeah, I mean, that, that's but a whole other game, dude. Like, that's yeah. uh, it's something that I've been learning, you know, as I've been mm-hmm. going, as opposed to, you know, I don't have any formal education on in business uh, mm-hmm. management, if you will. So, you know, Mm -hmm. reading books, watching videos, listening to people, talking to mentors, that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's an interesting piece to to just kind of wrap my head around is that the what I've been able to achieve by automating what I've dealt with. But then also, uh, I mean, just in this podcast, I'm in the process of finalizing. um, There's a couple more elements that I need to wrap my head around before I memorize Mm -hmm. it or before I've automated it. But um most of the activity that I'm involved with will be automated other than doing yep. the actual podcast, mm-hmm. you know, Google drive fucking with that. Uh, I'm using Airtable to manage the statuses of all my podcasts and who the guests are, the links that they have and assets mm-hmm. that I need to control like images. Um, yep. There's Zapier in the mix, obviously 
There's Infusionsoft from a marketing perspective because you know there's a good chance that I want to be able to invite people back in like six months, and if I don't automate it, I'll probably forget. Oh yeah, fucking talk to Alex that one time. We got yeah. <laughs> have him back. But that you know what yeah. I mean. That's the kind of shit that I would. I'm better suited to automate, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it's freed up a shitload of time. And I'm if I really because you know you beat yourself up. I don't know if you do this, but I beat myself up some pretty bad sometimes. And I, and I don't mm -hmm. take a moment to reflect on the positives or the, uh, yep. And like, if you think about, oh shit, like I fucking did that, you know, that's pretty badass mm -hmm. for that, either for myself or for my business or for yeah. my. You just take a step back and like appreciate what you built, you know, and it's, it's, you don't do that very often. Well, I, I mean, this is another thing, dude. I mean, before I got Brandon, before I had really wrapped my head around automation, I was working 70, 80 hours a week for fucking mm -hmm. two or three years. And, uh, yeah. I, I still work a lot, but I'm not working 60 hours a week anymore. I could mm -hmm. be, but there's a point where you realize it's like, all right, if I work 50, I can work 50 to 55 hours a week, but I need to allocate this time for my family or for my, my loved ones. Right. Mm -hmm. And I need to do this for myself. Otherwise I'm going to get, I'm, my head's going to get fucked up. Like yep. your head space gets all busted when you just grind too hard for too long. Mm -hmm. And Oh, for sure. You get burnt out. And, and then a lot of yeah. people that I care about in my life uh, have my specifically my father. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much, but I watched when I was a kid, dude, my dad worked three jobs. Mm -hmm. He was a pizza delivery man. He delivered the newspaper and then he had a primary job and my mom didn't mm -hmm. work when I was a kid. So he did that to uh, provide for the family yeah, support. But yeah. the guy was working nonstop like he would basically work and then sleep and that's it like i would see him maybe once mm -hmm. a week and uh that Jeez. work ethic was insane but like you know the guy went through it for like 10 12 years and mm -hmm. at the end of it you know he had neglected himself he neglected yeah uh, i mean he was in a good he wasn't in a good spot at the end and you know when you're burning mm -hmm. the candle at both ends you know someone might challenge me on that but like i'm not trying to destroy my life for my business no, I, I agree totally. And I think that's where automation could really come in and help help you with it because it's like I, I track my time obsessively. Like I'm really bad with it because I'm just I'm curious like where I'm spending my time, what I'm doing. But the thing that I do is I only track it when I'm actually doing something. Um, which so that doesn't account for you know me taking a shower and I'm thinking about something in automation that has to be worked out through a client. Like that's me working, but I'm not tracking that time, for example. And when I look back at how many hours I work a week, actually hard hours that are worked, it, it actually surprises me because sometimes it's like 30, 35. But then it doesn't actually, you know, it doesn't actually take into account the the hundred percent of time that is going into thinking about these things and, and problem solving. When you're sleeping, when I wake up fifty times a night because, and I'm actually like problem solving in at night, and I wake up from it. Like that's the stuff that you don't account for. But at least automation is allowing me. So hard hours that have to go in per week is not a crazy amount for me. But but for maintaining the company, for growing it, for doing podcasts, for doing things like this, yes, it takes up more time yeah but i mean so it, just the example of this podcast right like i enjoy doing this and yeah. for for me mm -hmm. it doesn't count it doesn't count as the work right nope. like i in my mind mm -hmm. i'm saying like i do i was doing eight, 70 to 80 hours a week of shit that i hated you know or not oh, necessarily yeah. hated okay. but like it's not the kind of thing oh boy i get to yeah fucking, menial yeah, yeah i get to go mm -hmm. uh you know fix someone's fucked up data set and spreadsheets so that i can import it into infusion yeah. soft that, that's mm -hmm. uh that wasn't the uh that, that's you could spend less time working on big problems and get more out of it 
you know, and you just automate the small stuff or you delegate it. Like that's exactly what you're doing with your employee. You delegate that and then you automate the lower, lower level stuff. And it's crazy what you can actually spend your time on at that point. Right. For sure. And so there's, uh, it, it is kind of, this is going to go blend well into the next topic, which is kind of like an automation horror story or system horror story. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you knew it was coming. So, you know, do you have anything that you've observed or been a part of that just kind of went completely fucking haywire? Because like, I want to oh, set man. a realistic expectation for people that listen to this is that it's not all sunshine and rainbows is that sometimes there's hardships and I'm not doing this to expose anything. So if you're not coming. Yeah. Know. No, no. I, I, I heard you ask this question in a couple other podcasts and I, I knew I should prepare for it. And it's tough because a lot of the time I beat myself up over little things. So like a client's like, hey, you know, I'm doing this and it's not sending the invite over to the customer and it happens for like 10 people. And I beat myself up over that because like they'll, they'll give me stress on it. So, But that's that's not a horror story. Um, I guess maybe learning curve that's come from that's in a way has been a horror story. I've used like the native domain name for some companies to do mass email marketing. So sending three, four, five thousand emails out and them essentially kind of ruining their main email. <laughs> you domain burn their reputation versus like. Yeah, like no, 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 no. You got to use like a subdomain or a totally junk, like bunk yeah, email a, address. We call them doing throwaway outbound. domains. In in for yeah. the people in the know of, we'll call the uh, most politically correct word for it is cold emailing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you use a throwaway domain. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. <laughs> don't use your yeah. money domain. No, but like that's stuff that you got to learn by doing this because when you start automating, that's where stuff scales like crazy. Um, I've had scenarios with, with one of my clients where it's just like, we're dealing with four or 5,000 records that are being pushed over to the CRM and forgetting or accidentally matching the wrong ID up of the data that's being pushed over. And like for 5,000 records that get pushed over to the CRM, now you have like the wrong information in there because you accidentally just had the wrong thing in the API or like that happens all the time. And you have to go back and like manually go through or try to do a bulk upload if you can to bulk edit, but sometimes you can't, where maybe you have to go through 50 or a hundred or a thousand things and just update them. And like that happens all the time. Um, And sometimes there's just oversights that like, what I learned is if you're ever gonna do like a bulk upload, Always do like one or five records and test See it. How it goes. And then maybe even do maybe even do a hundred after that. And then you do that three thousand. I become like, uh, uh, one thing that I will say about Infusionsoft Deed is that there is a bulk uh they have two ways of imp- you can import data like a normal, it creates new yep. records, and you can map a system key a foreign key from another database on a on the back okay. end, right? For all the records that mm-hmm. you be, could be importing. And so that foreign key is also mapped to what I do is because that's invisible to that. You can't access that without API. So yep. what I'll do is I'll dump it into a custom field that is going to be temporarily mm-hmm. used to maintain the structure. Mm-hmm. So that is the import process. Well, what if we need to append a bunch of data to those contacts from like a separate table or a spreadsheet that is from a different object of the other CRM, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. it's whatever. Uh, they have a modify records tool, which allows you to map either the infusion ID or foreign system key. And so you can mm-hmm. also, if you're clever, you could do it off of, uh, other record types as well. But like, um, in the beginning for sure, dude, I mean, that's how I used to do it, but I've gotten in Infusionsoft land. I know exactly how it's going to work. And yeah, I, I yeah. do all my checking beforehand through, I do like mm-hmm. a sanity check. Uh, in Google Sheets with like a V lookups mm-hmm. and 
Well, an array formula in VLOOKUPs, we'll call it that. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's where, you know, a horror story like what we've dealt with is when you're manipulating the data in, say, Excel or uh, Sheets or whatever before uploading it, there have been times where, you know, we've we've been filtering stuff and whatever and you edit stuff and then you go to bulk upload and it's like the email address is not aligned with the company, is not aligned with the name and then it's in the system and then maybe even you do some mass email marketing from that and it's like the totally wrong person. Oh, so like one of the clients, like their MailChimp campaign that had like 20,000 records, like you'd, you'd click, you'd get an email and you'd click update my subscription um, update, you know, whatever. And, and the information written in there is not your information. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Cause that was like a 20,000 record thing. Um, oh, so. that's it. I mean, the, yeah, I've been there, dude. The, the, it is dangerous yeah. manipulating data in a tool like that because there's no, there's no guardrails to stop you from, Oh, yeah. you're about to change that to a fucking integer. You know, there's, there's no, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's not a string. No, that's, yeah, a, that, yeah. there's nothing to stop you. It just does it. And yeah. so, you know, sorts and filters are dangerous if you don't, if you're not mm -hmm. cognizant, like uh, a newbie will just sort, a you know, they'll sort a spreadsheet by just sorting it and they'll yep. sort like a section of the data set or they'll sort without yep. a head. Not all of it. They'll oh, sort yeah. without a header row or they'll sort. And it's mm -hmm. like, this data is so fucked. Like, what's yep. the first, well, show me the first file that you did this from. And <laughs> yeah. then, okay, here it is. I'm like, okay, now we have to fix all that shit. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's normal in this world. And I think that's where, you know, an area that I don't want to be spending as much time in. Like I, I want employees or like you can hire a data analyst or, you know, someone that's used to working with databases and, and manipulating it. And you should be able to run queries and strings through a database to manipulate data versus doing it in Excel. And you will have much better results. But you need a programmer at that point. For sure, dude. For sure. I mean, it is a uh, it's definitely a discipline that I respect highly. Mm -hmm. Oh, for and, sure. And uh, I, I aspire to be good at it one day, but I feel like it's not. It's not worth. Like, no, it's you know, fu it's fucking the, sweet, yeah. dude. Like data shit is fun, but like I feel mm -hmm. like there's I missed out on a chunk of schooling that would have prepared me, uh, per, you know, for that type of thing. Like uh, mm -hmm. I should have taken some more statistics classes. I should have taken some, yeah. uh, you know, some kind of whatever business data fucking class. I mean, now they have like, you know, job function data analysis, data fucking scientists, you know, these types of job functions. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go that deep, but I definitely want to be in a position to be able to understand what's going on. Right. Well, like even if you hire someone, you want to know what they're well, doing. Well, you want to be able to like the way I look at it is I want to be able to engineer the creation of the data. Right. When mm -hmm. I put together a process in Infusionsoft or with Zapier, I want to mm -hmm. be able to create the, uh, the the the, pro, the thing that auto generates this data so it shits out mm -hmm. you know different elements and, and parts that could be put back together by that person mm -hmm. and or myself to some extent right like here it is this is all the information here's some things that i found with it but if you really wanted to tune it up you would take it to a pro mm -hmm. yeah i met this one guy at a party one time uh who he had graduated at ASU and that's basically all he did all day was dealing with data. And like, uh, I got to pick his brain for a little bit cause he was doing mm -hmm. some shit with like uh, cryptocurrency and like analysis of like social media sentiment and some other crazy ass mm -hmm. shit. And it was, uh, it was really interesting to hear him talk about like how 
that kind of thing works. And so he's dealing with R and Python and all these data science related. Yeah. To, to try and map out the psychology of like what's, what, what, you know, tokens are people positive about and negative and you can start like day trading based on that attention. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're it's wild. He worked for a company that, yeah. that that's kind of what they did. What uh, we've, I mean, we've fucking brushed over a shitload of different topics. Yeah. But like in your business, what is your core tech stack? I mean, we talked about ProsperWorks and G Suite, but like, what mm-hmm. go into a little bit more depth about some of the tools that you're using? Because you, I mean, you turned me on to some new stuff when we spoke mm-hmm. earlier, and uh, I, I kind of just want to hear because this is where how I learn yeah. new stuff. So, so this is where um, I've tried a ton of software, just as you have, and like some stuff sticks, some stuff doesn't, or, or maybe at the time the APIs or the integrations don't exist, so maybe you don't use some of the software and. Um, I, I always go back and try and reevaluate things. So yeah, ProsperWorks and G Suite, they're at my core. Um, I'm using Harvest app uh, for time tracking and invoicing, but I also use QuickBooks online. So uh, for my accounting side, because accounting is different than what you'd be using Harvest for. Um, and then sometimes I'll invoice people through QuickBooks online because you can do ACH transfers for free versus Harvest, you'd have to use PayPal business for 50 cents or credit card, which is going to cost you quite a bit. Um, then in addition to that, uh, definitely using PandaDoc. I love PandaDoc for shooting off a quick proposal, um, really mod- creating modular content for, for the proposal or documentation or contracts that you're sending does, off. Uh, does PandaDoc have a signature interface for collecting signatures? Yep. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So they can they can e-sign it. Um, you can have them initial. You can have them even put in their credit card information, and it'll invo- or it, it will run a credit card payment through Stripe, or they have a couple other connections through there as well. Um, so that's Panadoc really is great for for the sales process thing for project management. Um, I, I tried Trello for a while, and I obsessed over Trello. I tried getting a bunch of clients on it. Uh, I, I moved to Asana about two years ago, and I love it. Um, it's it's pretty complex, and and it there's no it's tough because there, there's no direction sometimes. You kind of just need to jump in and start using it, and you can do so many things with it that I think a lot of people use it improperly, and they get overwhelmed, and then it's a terrible tool. So I've tried to obsess over learning best practices through Asana and using it properly, um, and then you know a help desk. I, I believe truly in having a separation between your email inbox and some what you're using for a couple different things. So I have a help desk that I was showing you know, Kelsey the other day that I have, I even have my email newsletters going to my help desk in a separate mailbox. So it doesn't disrupt me because I subscribe to a lot of newsletters, your, your newsletter, your podcast, I'm subscribed to it, but I don't want it to be in my mailbox because I could be working on responding to some client stuff. And then I get this newsletter that pops and it just changes your, your focus. And so I try and segment it. So I have like a client folder, a newsletter, I have status updates for like when software comes in saying, Hey, you know, uh, this software's down. Zapier's down. Prosperx is down. The API is having issues. I get alerted. Then that pushes over to Slack. I love Slack. Um, and then I have like the support requests automatically push over into Asana because Asana essentially I have my inbox there, everything that's due for the day, and that's across all of my customers. I now also have my support requests coming in through Help Scout pushed over to Asana. So I know the single source of truth is Asana. If I accomplish what I need to do for the day, my inbox in Asana is going to be empty and I'm going to feel good. Otherwise, it's like I'm going to help that or the help desk checking out, going to my email inbox checking out, going to all these tools. You need to have this central source of truth um, that you can refer to. Uh, And then like one of the major, major things that's a little bit weird in this realm 
It's called IT Glue. So when I was in the MSP managed services provider space, uh, there's this this solution called IT Glue meant for documenting and then password management and then documenting an entire IT infrastructure. So you can say, you know, this company has this this type type of Wi-Fi set up and here's the the passwords for the Wi-Fi and you could just do all like, you know, and they have a server in the back left part of the office and here's the server credentials and just it allows you to map all of that out. I'm really only using it at this point now for for passwords for clients and internal. So I'll actually get my clients on a, a MyGlue account. I could push them over passwords. They can share passwords with me. And then also the you know the benefit too is a lot of companies aren't using good password management systems. So I'm also pushing them on that. And that's just like from my my IT background, I hate when a company is using the same password for the for their company bank account and their Gmail and just everything, which it happens so common. It's um, It's insane, right? <laughs> and like I I use LastPass personally, but um, what I've learned, I've tried to push LastPass and and OnePass and all these things to clients, and they just don't embrace it. It is so tough to actually get employees on board and using it. Whereas MyGlue and um, IT Glue. Essentially, my glue is the customer facing. IT glue is what I'm using. I can literally create customers even via an API in my glue, and then they just need to use their same credentials to log in as as they have like Gmail or like their single sign on. You log into your Gmail account, and now you're into your password account. So you don't need to just and and the one thing I tell customers use a unique password for your Gmail account because that that's used to log into all these tools. Right. You know? So it's like you just need one secure password and. Don't do a password, do a passphrase. So like dog catching ball, you know, just, just, and then you envision this, this scenario. Don't do stuff like, you know, dog, you know, one, three, six, seven, two explanation point, you know, and just ridiculous stuff. Just do a passphrase where you can envision a weird scenario, you know, dragging, dragon, uh, eating goat. And you just imagine the stupid thing and it's stupid, but now you have the super secure password that's easy for you to remember. It's a passphrase. So I always push that on to companies. This is where like my IT background comes on to clients a lot of the time. And I try and push best practices in there. And I think the last tool that I'll kind of throw out there, um, there's there's kind of two. So it's it's Slate. Uh, I use that instead of Google Keep for keeping documentation. Slate is pretty much like Google Keep mixed with uh, Slack. So it's it's really just it's organized in Slack in a way you can have different like organizational unit type things or different channels and you can store notes in there, share it with the team, mention team members within the notes and it's kind of collaborative. And then the other one is Coda and that's a new release. I think they had a uh, private funding of about $50 million. They were beta testing it on like Uber and a bunch of other massive companies. They finally came out of beta about six months ago. They're trying to replace Google Docs and Google Sheets and um, have them both into one platform. So I use that for project management from me to the, the customer. So I share one Coda doc with a customer. You can have tons of folders and different sections and you can organize your data and work on projects and you know at mention the customer have tasks have to-do lists and you can just manage all this information in one place and like that's my central source of truth from me to the customer uh, is uh, <clears throat> I mean that's quite a bit of tools I tried out coda the other day and I'm still trying to wrap my head around how I would use it yeah and I yep. feel so limited because I want to be able to rig up zapier to feed data into it and and 
they're working on that. You know, that's something that, you know, we're pushing on them and a lot of people are as well. Uh, they are looking to be able to, so you can push data in. I didn't even mention Airtable because that was a discussion you and I had. Should Coda replace Airtable? Eh, yes and no. Like Airtable is really built for that specific use case. Coda is more like, I want to take data that I would normally put in Coda or uh, go into Airtable and then like spit it out in other areas of a document. Like, Hey, you know, here here are the tasks that we have to still do and just spit out or like there uh read the table and it says there are 20 urgent tasks, 10 non-urgent tasks or high tasks. Like you could break out data in a different area in a document and reference it. So it's like this programming language that's actually very user-friendly is kind of built on top of code and that's what makes it powerful. These these sheets, these quote unquote Google Sheets get to intertwine with your document in so many different well, ways. Well, I've been looking at it from a perspective of, uh, I mean, you basically have a, a source table or tables and views of those tables that you can use to mm -hmm. feed data into you know, your text. <clears throat> yep. So, right, like one thing that I've, a lot of people struggle with in Infusionsoft and doing marketing automation, especially small businesses, like generating email content. And mm -hmm. a lot of it can be done dynamically with like a copy yes. generator. So like if you had a template that's like, hello, first name, this is company X. And then like it goes from there where you could have the table that mm -hmm. feeds the information is like, get me these, what are these values that we're going to type? Right. This yep. needs to be a verb. This needs to be a, a word ending in ing. This needs to be a you know whatever, and you can define yep. those values and then use them in, in to merge into the content to generate that information. But the other mm -hmm. thing I was looking at in that tool is uh, you know you can do uh, some pretty powerful things, and I'm 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 waiting for the ability to do things with Zapier, like cre creating yep. like uh, cloning a template so that I could uh, potentially use that as a uh, like it's. I want to templatize it, you know, and I want to yes. do it automatically. Oh, totally agree. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you, do you yeah. find yourself, like, I find myself like a new software will come about. I get a Facebook ad or some shit for some crazy software that, that does something cool. And then, yep. like, I'll go look. I'm like, where's Zapier? And then where, where's the API documentation? Mm -hmm. And, like, if it doesn't mm -hmm. have, if it doesn't have Zapier, I'm disappointed. But if it doesn't mm -hmm. have an API, I'm just like, fuck this. I'm not going to. You're going to yeah, I'm not yeah. using this thing. yeah. So that's like the interesting thing where like Zapier is a great core to have. Um, I am using tons of native integrations though. So so even on Prosperworks, I'm signed up for Prosperworks beta and their beta API. And so I'm using a lot of stuff that doesn't even exist. And what's really messed up for a lot of these companies, Prosperworks included, is oftentimes they'll have two different APIs, an API for a direct developer API, and then a second API directly for Zapier versus using the same thing. So I was running into these issues that was driving me insane for a large client of mine, where the API was broken from Zapier, from their native integration with Zapier, but then I would use their native API, send over the same data, and it would work. And I would just be rolling my mind, like, what is going on? Like, I, I swear I'm doing this right. I contact Prosperworks and I've reported these bugs and like, oh, sorry, there's a bug in our Zapier API. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. So I can't even debug because their native API is different. And I and I learned now that they just brought in someone from Salesforce, um, an employee that's been there for 10 years. They're totally reworking the API where their internal API, their development API, and their Zapier API is all going to be the same API very soon. So that was something that I learned that like, it just kind of took a step back where I'm like, you know, these companies not only need to have APIs and not only need to have Zapier, like they need to actually have a single API that works across the board because I debug, I don't know if you use it all, um, 
oh man, what is it called? I have it open right now. Uh, Postman for for debugging. Do you use Postman? Occasionally. Okay, so like that's super important when you're using APIs to be able to throw data in and see if what works and what values get returned. So I was unable to debug Zapier because it's a different API and they only allow the API or the the IP address of Zapier. So like this is that's where things go a step further. Where I've embraced the API world so much, in fact, that it's like. I've learned now that it's not just about having an API, not just about you know connect, connecting to Zapier, but it's like best practices. Like, are you did you actually build a good API? You know, and and I'm learning that there's bugs in these massive companies, their APIs. QuickBooks has an issue when you're trying to create an invoice and assign um, a person to that invoice. It doesn't it, it autofills the email address, but it doesn't actually allow you to send the email. You need to um, sorry, it assigns the company. It doesn't assign the email address. So you need to change the company, then change it back. Their API is broken. Their freaking API is messed up. I've contacted them. They don't care. They're a massive company. So like at least Prosperworks and these smaller companies care and listen, but I've learned how important the API is. Yeah. It's such a, you know, crazy extent. Well, in, in Infusionsoft land, so one thing I could say that Infusionsoft did, did well a long time ago is their API has been available since like 2000 before I started working there. It was like a thing. Okay. So 2007, 2008, I believe is when it was made available and you have access to almost every object inside the tool and uh, it's built with XML RPC. And then there's a PHP SDK that a lot of people use. There's a Node.js SDK that works with it. There's a, a Ruby on Ruby on rails gem or whatever the fuck it's called. Okay. Uh, that works with it at this point. It's all either community okay. developed or first party. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. the problem is, is that who the fuck uses that now? You know, who uses XMR yep. PC? So like you mm -hmm. get a new tool like drip or a lot of CRMs are using like a uh, rest soap uh, APIs and it's all mm -hmm. done with JSON and shit like that. And yep. uh, Infusionsoft is now stepped up to the, the plate to, to do this correctly in my opinion, or now what is correct, mm -hmm. more correct now. And they, you yep. know, they've been slowly rolling it out. Like originally it was like a very basic, like limited objects were available. And it was mostly like, uh, the big thing is like webhooks were not uh, a thing. Like in order to retrieve data, you had to, mm. you either get everything that you pass a filter through and you yep. want to retrieve a contact record, you know, it's ID number and that's it. Otherwise it's giving you like a paging of some kind, right? Mm. Or there's uh, certain types of objects. And so like in, in Zapier, it's a fairly robust integration. Like a lot of the search functionality works, um, everything like that, mm -hmm. but they've, they fucked up the orders, dude. Like if you want to, you can't create an order unless there's a, a there's, there's these uh, referral partner records. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not required in Infusionsoft native, but on Zapier's create order in Infusionsoft, the fucking, Referral partners are required. So it's it's mm. stupid because like those are not things that are commonly used yeah. for one, but two, it's stupid that you have to require them. I mean, I like appreciate the ability to do that, but the other element is that you're creating an order based off of a product that has an ID and you can't attach payment either. Because pay so you can't mm -hmm. deal with uh like I want to be able to replicate order data from say Shopify into Infusionsoft so that we have parity of, or mirrored data from the product that was sold in Shopify, the line items and the shipping tax line item and mm -hmm. the totals and quantity of those items. You can't do that well with Zapier. And so okay. you have to go, I mean, there's other add-ons, like Infusionsoft also has a fairly decent 
uh, community marketplace, kind of like the app exchange okay. on Facebook or uh, Salesforce or other tools. Shopify. Whatever, yeah, it's yeah. not as good as Shopify's mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, but yeah. it is available that, you know, a lot of community developers have built software specifically for working with Infusionsoft. And, you know, so this brings me right back to the mindset that it is so important, honestly, to to take that core software that you're using and double down on it and become an expert in it. Like you have your 10,000, your maybe 20,000 hours in Infusionsoft. And, you know, I'm sure I can work with Infusionsoft. I'm sure I can work with the API. And the, the difference, though, is like, like with Prosperworks, I know where they're limited. I know how to work around, you know, you know, the limitations or like, you know, we need to search the system based on company ID. There's no way to do a fuzzy match where like, what if someone, you know, they're filling out an application and they put in ABC Corp, whereas the store that you have them in the CRM is just ABC. And there's no fuzzy match to be like, well, these are probably the same company. Well, where's what's a workaround for that? Like all these little things that you don't even think about, I'm not going to become an expert in Infusionsoft. Yeah. And, you know, and so there is still value to really focusing down on your core. And then from there, it's like, I don't care if you use DocuSign or PandaDoc. Like the, the things that complement it are great. But I think your core, like G Suite and whatever CRM or whatever, I, we can always just broadly say CRM because I think that's kind of what these are. Yeah. Is like you need to be an expert in it, I feel, to, to truly give value and to truly be able to do crazy things inside of the system. For sure. I mean, that's. I mean, that's where I hesitate to move into a new platform because in order to get to mm-hmm. where I'm at, I mean, that's a substantial time investment that yeah. I could just double down mer- or again in Infusionsoft land and uh, and defer yep. to the, you know, if someone comes to me for ProsperWorks shit, you know, I just send them to Alex as opposed to Vice versa, me trying right? to become yeah. a ProsperWorks no person. Unless mm-hmm. I was to move, yep. like I said, I mean, Infusionsoft gave me an account for life. So unless somebody's willing to beat that, yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to. But no, but but it's funny because it's almost like the cost isn't even a crazy amount. Like for for you to put in the ten thousand hours into a, a system, and not only that, like you have to kind of risk it with clients. Like you're you'd actually have to take on a client, understand. Oh, they have a very unique workflow that we need to work through, and then you're going to go through you know very bizarre edge cases. Like I've gone through weird edge cases for very bizarre clients that I'm probably never going to have a client like this again. But like. I learned something from that process that I'm going to use for a different company. So it's not only just like jumping in and learning it. Like you need to have clients with very weird use cases to learn limitations in a system. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, the first five years of doing Infusionsoft. They had this on-site setup and I was the guy that did that for a good chunk of that time. So when someone wanted mm-hmm. to pay a lot of money to get Infusionsoft up and running quick, they'd fly out to Arizona. They'd come at the Infusionsoft building and Jeez. sit with me for two, three days and we would just grind hard. <laughs> On their business, wow. I'd have them writing emails and doing all kinds of shit like that, getting me passwords and access to accounts that I need to have access to, and then I would be implementing Infusionsoft. And and That's so wild. you're you know having to do this shit in real time, and a lot of people don't have the brain for that. Like they they get burned out like two three hours. Oh yeah, and they're just like I don't know what you're talking about anymore. It sounds like they're drunk mm-hmm. and. You're not the limitation. It's it's the client that that's giving you the business process, the thing that needs to be done. And like, so you don't get burned out sometimes, but like when you're working with someone, like them getting burned out means you got to stop. Yeah. And so, uh, you got to stop. I mean, you could continue to work on the shit that you don't need them for, but a lot of times when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're approaching it, like let's bang this thing out guys, two days, three days, we'll have it done. That's, uh, you're like, I don't think (laughs) you can do that, dude. Like, you know, you don't (laughs) strike me as someone who can hang, you know? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't, I don't drink, but 
if mm-hmm. I were to go drinking, the last thing that I'd want to do is go with somebody who drinks daily. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. One, one beer <laughs> yeah. and I'm good. I'm falling I'm asleep <laughs> if yeah. I drink a beer. And so, uh, yep. Yep. you know, going out with someone who's a daily drinker isn't my, uh, mm-hmm. isn't going to be conducive to, I'm not going to be able to hang. And the same thing is mm-hmm. like, uh, someone who's wants rapid implementation. I'm like, I'm not mm-hmm. the bottleneck in this. It's going to be you and your brain's mm-hmm. going to be fucked up after like two or three hours of doing this. You're going to start mm-hmm. showing signs of that. You're, you're struggling. And I, well, well, so here, look, look, flip that for a quick second. Cause have you had any very highly technical clients of yours that are actually, they are willing to put up the two, three hours and, and it, it becomes like, it, it it's almost more difficult I just do consulting. in that way as well. I do well. consulting in that situation okay. where I'm not actually, Okay. Well, I might like while we're meeting, I might demonstrate something or show them a, a concept that or explain a limitation, but I'm not going deep. I'm available as a resource to ask and okay. answer questions more than I am like in charge of their implementation because they have, and and some people I have the resources to be able to do really good shit, and they won't they don't need me for that. And or is it not worth them to pay me the money that I want for what I do? Oh yeah. When they could have mm-hmm. somebody uh, outsource, so they often provide. I provide guidance more than anything else. Okay. So Makes for sense. more technical so too, people, too technical, yeah, consulting. I mean, it's the same. Sense. So like, I'm doing some shit with Zoho Creator right now, and uh, I'm not mm-hmm. a Zoho Creator expert or even close to a Zoho person, right? They have a, mm-hmm. a massive infrastructure that you can use, but Zoho Creator has some nuance to it that I'm encountering, and so I we've enlisted the services of a guy that we met who basically just does Zoho. Like if it's, if, it, if you want it done and you're using Zoho, he's the guy you can go to get it done. Well, I don't want him to fucking yep. do it for us. Cause I want to learn the the yeah. stuff that needs to be done. But like, there's stuff that like, it, there's this weird stuff. Like they have this uh, fairly extensive permissions component where you can like say, this is a, a, you know, child, you have a hierarchical permission structure to user types and things like that. Right. And so, mm-hmm. uh, to understand how that works, you have to one implement the 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 things that they tell you that you have to do. You have to have users to be able to verify that you know this person in fact cannot see this record or whatever. But like to do a simple report, like all you need is a hidden value of like the user that created the record, and now you can filter a bunch of shit. It has nothing to do with permissions. It's just using mm-hmm. uh, what unlimited because you have unlimited fields or. <laughs> When you build in in Zoho Creator, you build a form is what they start with, and that creates behind the scene okay. a database that stores those values, right? And okay. um, those values are some of them will be visible to the user, and others will not be, right? Obviously, if your core mm-hmm. or your system generated things like the ID of the record, the date created, date modified, the originating user that created it, and the last user that interacted with it, these are like your standard system data. Mm-hmm. I think there's another one too, but it, that's irrelevant. Um, but you can have your own. So you can have your own custom values like foreign system key or Infusionsoft ID or whatever types yep. of elements that I'm kind of joining together in this tool um, to be stored as hidden values that don't serve a purpose to the user. But they do on the back end of me being able to say, this person did this shit in Zoho Creator and I want to tell Infusionsoft about it. And so that that mm. interaction is... And that's where I'm relying on a guy who fucking is me, but for Zoho. Oh, for sure. And I'm just like, dude, this is what I'm trying to do. And is, am I on the right track? No, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me go and dive into that topic so that I can wrap my head around it. And 
the the best practices you learn from that is invaluable and versus you cutting your teeth on it and being inefficient doing it wrong and you know yeah for sure yeah, i mean so if you were to, if you're able to successfully set up like Airtable and be able to use that in effective in in, in an effective way then zoho mm-hmm. creator is has a lot of those concepts in place just like like podio or um, some of these other app creators um, google yep. app creator or app maker is a little bit more hardcore than, uh, than these mm-hmm. variety, but it's also limited in the spec that you're there. There's some limitations to it unless you mm-hmm. expand it yep. out with like Google's cloud services. So in, yeah. in Zoho creator land, a lot of this stuff is self-contained and then they have a scripting language called deluge or deluge. And, uh, okay. it's similar to like Java script, I think more similar to JavaScript. Um, or, or mm-hmm. like if you, if you're fucked with jQuery where you have like functions dot, you know, class name dot whatever, you know what I'm saying? You can yep. do that kind of shit. And so, uh, I, mm-hmm. I've been learning that scripting language as I go for what I need when it's like, I need to look up this value on this record that's attached to this object. Right. And you can do that pretty easily mm-hmm. with the scripting language. And then they have some pre-built like you can do like if thens and, and loops and, shit like that and you can yeah you know I, I guess that's where you start building out like minimal viable products and you can really start integrating and going deeper with it because like that's actually just i'm closing up with a client right now where they had an old web app that they were building or that they had and they already had like a user base of it he tried out prosperworks he loved prosperworks and then he started the search of like is there a company that can rebuild my web app or can or or leave the web app as is and integrate with Prosperworks? Prosperworks connected me with them and we spoke and it was like, we got to totally rework your web app from the ground up and we need to build an API into it. It doesn't even have an API. So we did that and the core was to make it sync with Prosperworks. So like you can make a modification in Prosperworks. You, you change an opportunity from unpublished to published to due diligence to these different stages and it syncs back to the web app and vice versa. Like it's totally back and forth sync. And I'm like, that was a massive value where I'm not like a web development company though. I don't want to be. So I hired a different company to do it that I'm very close with. And I started realizing like, if you could build MVPs like you're doing, through a through a quick system language that you could just jump into like uh, Zoho Creator, like that's awesome. And the amount of value that you can do from that, the amount of things that you can do from being able to throw up a quick MVP, you could even see if building out a SaaS makes sense. Like you and me talked about maybe in the future building out SaaS software and it's like you need to start with an MVP and if you can do that yourself and build some of the core principles out before you hire a developer to build like a core custom you know web app, you could save a ton of money in that and, and even test the market. For sure. I mean, that's, I mean, we, this is kind of how we've gotten to where we're at. I mean, we set up an MVP originally with the Google sheets and it was doing mm-hmm. what we needed. Then we switched to Airtable because we needed some, uh, relational database type of stuff. But the problem that mm-hmm. we had, that we, this thing that we sacrificed with Google sheets is Google sheets has a fairly robust, like you can only view this sheet and you can only edit this cell. You know what I mean? Oh, and you can't yeah. do that in Airtable. And so uh, now we're looking at, okay, well, what is the options? We can build our own shit, which is timely and expensive. I mean, even though we have this mm-hmm. prototyped out as far as what we need to do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Zoho Creator is a more permanent residence, and they've done a lot of the hard work for us. So we can build our mm-hmm. shit on there without having to learn maintenance servers and fucking doing all that shit. We can just 
mm-hmm. get the the core elements and functionality that we need and then wrap it in. I mean, they even have a Twilio integration. So you can set up like text messaging, voice calls, things like that, because you can just iframe in like another object or, uh, or interface, right? Oh, so yeah. It's fairly robust. And uh, okay. I, I the guy challenged, he's like, why, why are you only using Zoho Creator? I'm like, because we don't need the other stuff right now. We need a, a front end that our clients can er- interact with, and we and we need a mm-hmm. way to be able to uh, put this all shit together. And Zoho yep. CRM is a CRM. It has CRM objects and CRM usage, and we don't need that. We need it specific for our mm-hmm. use case. And it, it opened up the the idea that perhaps Zoho campaigns, because it can work with a creator, might may end up being what replaces Infusionsoft in this situation. But interesting. Uh, I, I mean, Zoho Creator is like a, it's a, it's a, not a, a small business tool. You know, you're not going to be able to, f- most people aren't going to be able to get it off the ground on their own, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the, I'm actually a little nervous that I may not be able to get it off the ground, but I, I'm not, mm-hmm. not, I have a backup plan where like that guy that I was telling about, like if we needed to, like I'm, I've pushed this as yep. far as I can get it. You know, here's mm-hmm. what it is. Here's all the things that I've done and why. Here's the documentation that we put together, right? And mm-hmm. go from there. I mean, that's kind of the the idea. Yep. But uh, the there's a kind of a, one thing that I think you've talked on a little bit is: Do you have any pro tips for uh, someone just getting started with automation with these types of systems? Do you have any pro mm-hmm. tips for someone like that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like, you know, what should I automate and when should I automate? And at the end of the day, I think it's it's a mindset you need to get into. Um, a lot of my clients did not actually start with that mindset. But once the foundation and core was built, they started realizing like, oh, I do this task every day and this can be automated because it's it's in the structure within like the sales process. And it's tough to explain that to someone who's not used to automation, not used to having, you know, robust software that allows for that. So I think, you know, getting started, it's a matter of, A, build a core foundation. Um, You know, really, I I don't know what you can do without a CRM and a proper email system. Though, Like, you really need those in place. Um, And then with that, deciding what you should automate, I think it's just a matter of being more attentive of like what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Like what are these repeating things? What do you, um, here you have a, an employee at your company and you're worried about them leaving your company because you don't know how you're going to replace them. That's a great place to start. You know, the important things that they're doing, have them document or you document the processes that they're doing. And I bet you'll start realizing that they're actually repeatable and you could probably even automate some of them. And then there's, you know, I, I think the value is when you're a small business and you can't content, can't like conceptualize growing to the point of being a massive business, a lot of that comes down to because you don't have processes in place. And there should be no person at your company that is indisposable. Um, if, if that's the case, you're setting yourself up for failure because now they kind of control you in a certain way. If you feel like you, if you leaving the company or you can never hire someone to do what you do, pay attention to what you do. I bet there's a lot of things that you do that could be documented and someone can follow those step by step. And then after that, you can actually, you know, turn it in and automate it. So something that, for example, that was tough for me getting off the ground that will probably relate to a lot of people maybe starting businesses is 
I do a lot of the admin work at my company. I reconcile the books. I take care of a lot of that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like document the process of that and it'll make you more efficient. But a step further, you know, there's an awesome tool called Expensify. I don't know, Kelsey, have you, do you use that at I'm all? Or? Okay, so Expensify is pretty awesome. You can um, pull up the app on your phone and take a picture of a receipt. So say that you go to spot for a business meeting or, or Panera or something like that. Take a picture. It will you know, put it into your Expensify account. And at the end of the month, it'll automatically send all of the images and it'll it'll pull the data out. So like, okay, you had a seven, you know, $6 coffee or whatever. It pulls that out. It tells you who the... the company is, and then it'll push it into QuickBooks for you automatically. So now reconciling is a matter of like matching, 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 matching. But for you and me, we're dealing with a lot of SaaS software. How do we get this SaaS software, these invoices that we're getting into QuickBooks easily? Well, simple. I create an automated forward within email that forwards it to Expensify, and then Expensify automatically puts it in QuickBooks. So I get the image, I get a PDF of the email of you know the receipt for whatever SaaS software I'm paying for. And this happens about 20 plus times a month. And if I get a new invoice for a new piece of SaaS software, all I do is I set a filter, have it automatically forward to re- you know receipts, it's Cyberbytes, whatever. It sends it over to Expensify. And now my, my reconciling is taken care of. Like here's something that I hated doing as a business owner that is pretty much automated now. So it's like there's a lot of things that you're doing manually that that can be automated, but you have to start small and and you know building out a massive automation too. Don't get overwhelmed with that. Start with one little thing and then build on top of it. Some of the craziest automations I've built right now, I look at it, I get overwhelmed. But they didn't start there. You had to start with something small and build on top of it. That's over interesting, time. dude. So you're saying that you actually like why don't you just do the tr- the the card transaction like and use that as your expense? Is that am I fucking off on that or what? Yep. Uh, I mean, that's that's a second check, right? Like that, I can do that. Like, uh, oh, I use a bookkeeping. Let me make sure I use a bookkeeping service because that's not my back. Gusto or uh, yeah, something, something like yep. that. Uh, okay. But I use a bookkeeping service to take care of that shit. So they go through all my transactions and codify them correctly, and then occasionally they'll ask okay. questions, and I'll tell them what it's for. But. Yep, it's it's a, sometimes it's unnecessary. I I'm very. I think it comes back to. I know that. Yeah, I think I think you're a little OCD about true, some stuff because like, I, I mean I'm not, I'm yes, not making like, fun of you for it, but it's you're nope. definitely uh, into the detail a little bit more, a lot more than I am in certain mm-hmm. aspects. Um, so, so so then it's like I guess going a step further, like within QuickBooks, I know. So I, I'm spending a lot of money per month on. Sometimes it's a cost of goods sold. Like I'm paying for Prossworks for my client. That's a cost of goods sold um, versus when I'm paying for Prosperworks myself, for example, then that's not going to be a cost of goods sold. That's actually going to be a subscription service. So there's a distinction between that. And then going a step further, how much money am I spending on productivity software? How much am I spending on management, admin? Like I like to know how much money in SaaS I'm spending depending on you know the category that it's in. And that's overkill. My, my CPA even told me, he's like, you could have it all just be under SaaS and you're good. And it's like, but I, I'm curious what like why are we spending freaking you know eight hundred dollars on admin software like where's this going you start seeing these holes in the bucket versus if you just saw six thousand a month going out and you don't question it because that's the cost of doing it business. stacks up like, real quick um yeah mm-hmm. that stacks up really quick categorizing it, yeah, yeah. I, I i can see that i mean maybe no that's yeah. for sure because i mean i've gotten uh times where i've like gotten overzealous with trying something out signed up for one too many things and then it's like ah shit, that was three hundred fifty bucks <laughs> or whatever, and it's like that three hundred fifty dollars mm-hmm. would be a lot more comfortable if it was in my pocket, but you know mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, 
a quick tip too. This this took me. This is like the business mindset that it took me a while to get over. Um, if you're reconciling your own books and you're taking care of things, and if you have some money in your bank account, um, if you're using a piece of software regularly, honestly, consider paying for it annually because you're saving money when you do annual. But in addition to that, now you don't need to reconcile every month this this specific thing or take care of it or you know, um, it's crazy how much time I've saved just by by breaking down and just paying for something annually and I'm saving money too. So whenever there's an annual subscription, if I know for certain I'm going to be using this, I buy annual because now I'm like, I don't need to freaking deal with a $5 subscription each month because I'll spend more, waste more of my time reconciling a $5 subscription than it would be for to just pay for the year for 60 or type of thing. It's like a weird mindset shift. Yeah, no, I, I, I get into that too, but then I'm like $2,000. <laughs> yeah like that's when things get a little bit better yeah like you know you know zapier was a no-brainer i actually though, pay right? for it like, monthly and and it yeah well, oh no dude, way 150 dollars oh. a month is what i'm paying for a team account so yeah. i got a deal pay i got a annual, deal man. but it, annual <laughs> is wrapping up a couple you know a grand right uh, a little more than a yeah grand. Come on, Matt. You're not getting rid of Zapier yeah. anytime soon. Save the hundred bucks. It's only like, it's only on. like two hundred like, bucks though. I'd rather have the capital available yeah. right now than, than wrapped up okay. in a Zapier account. Okay. It's, okay, that's fair. There's there's a trade. Yeah, I mean, but I agree. Yeah. There's definitely ways to save money. The problem is about software and you doing the paying annually. Is especially if you're growing a business, is that now you have to step strap on another user or you have to do more contacts and it. It gets fucky mm-hmm. when you have to do annual con- Sometimes, annual yeah. payments because mm-hmm. it's like now you're you're wondering is like shit. Do they have their shit set up right? Do they have like mm-hmm. are they properly crediting me? And like I've run into some problems, mm-hmm. so like I try to keep it on a oh yeah a monthly basis. Now sometimes mm-hmm. like I bought a Teachable account because they threw a deal at me. Like it's like two fifty for a whole okay. year. I'm like fuck it. All right. Yeah. And uh, signed up for that. Got get you know the beginnings of a course created. Uh, eventually, we'll see what happens with that. But um, no, that'll be interesting. That that seems like it's a massive path. Where, you know, one of my biggest mentors that I pay attention to, this guy Chris Doe, he has a, a YouTube channel called The Future. He runs a design company called Blind. They do $10 million a year. And he is teaching the business of design and the design of business. So teaching designers on how to actually sell value versus like, I'm creating you a logo. And you should pay me ten grand. Well, why? Because I need to sell you the value, the business value of building a logo and why it's worth that. So he's building a community and a, a course type thing around um, his around that. And and I feel like the future of education, like as you mentioned a few times on the call, like you don't have a formal education. Man, I went to school. I spent eighty grand on college. I triple majored in management, marketing, entrepreneurship, and I regret it hardcore. There's not one thing I learned in school that is applicable to what I know in business at all. Like it's insane how off the education system is. And and I feel like I can say that having spent the money and gone in there and put all of my effort in it, man, everything I learned is from YouTube, Google, you know, mentors, meeting people like you picking their brain. Like, holy shit, don't spend money on school like in this day and age. Like, I mean, unless oh you are God. hell-bent on being know. a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist. Yes, if you- yes. Oh, if you want to be a teacher, yeah. like you still got to you know, do that. Uh, like a real mm-hmm. teacher, like where you're accredited and you work with like the government to fucking teach people shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong well, with those professions. Now you and me are, but if you're no, gonna do no. them, that like that's what you have to do. But like if you're gonna be uh, an automation expert, I mean, there's only so much mm-hmm. that you're gonna 
<laughs> freaking go yeah, you're not gonna yeah. like you and me are gonna hire people we're not gonna hire someone because they got a four-year degree from a college uh for for whatever they went for for business like i would rather someone have four years of automation experience just working with clients or building their own shit like that's that's what motivates me or listening to podcasts like this because it means you're in the right mindset that like if someone listened to my podcast regularly or your podcast regularly and they put that like when we were talking, they say that and it shows their interest. That makes them so much more interesting to me as an employer than the fact that they went to school. Like it's a very weird. Right. Well, dynamic. I mean, there's the only reason, the only value in my mind that like a general degree would have is that somebody stuck with something for a, an extended period of time. Yes. But mm-hmm. uh, totally agree. I see a job sticking with a job to be the. I mean, even the more unpleasant of a job, the lower pay of the job. Like yep. someone stays like uh, at a pizza place for like fucking five years grinding like managing a pizza place for example yep. that might be their job that person has more experience in my mind than someone that just came out of college oh yeah because they've done oh, real sure. shit they've answered mm-hmm. you know they've answered phones they've interacted with customers they've dealt with employees they've done inventory mm-hmm. they've paid attention to financial related information there's a large amount of yep. like education that comes from being in a position mm-hmm. like that and more importantly that person was paid to do that as opposed to like yeah so you can't just slack off you could slack off in school but you're you're the one paying them there it's gonna be it's hard to get kicked out of school when you're paying them 80 grand you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean at a job you start fucking up you get fired and now you don't have that opportunity to find another means of income and so Mm -hmm. i find on on the even unrelated experience more valuable to me than uh education like formal, but the, totally uh, like my yep. Brandon, he used to have a tile and stone company where they would, uh, he basically, when he became an adult, like he found himself in a construction opportunity where, you know, being young and having a strong back, you could make a lot of money pretty quickly. But, you know, after mm-hmm. a decade and a half, uh, that labor fucking takes a toll. And so Brandon fortunately had, uh, in his private time has hobbies that, lend well to the stuff that we're doing and so you know when we talked Mm -hmm. we met and i'm like so what are you trying to do are you like trying to do this shit for your business are you trying to like change career paths and he's like i'm trying to change career paths i'm like oh dude well then let's do this and so brandon has been uh pretty pretty uh impressive to uh what he's been able to wrap his head around and i feel like um the advantages that he has is not only am i paying him to do this shit but I'm able to save him mm-hmm. like a learning curve of fucking eight years, you know, because. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's a give and take. Yeah. Like the like the value that someone can get working with, like, you know, you at a company early on, there's a shitload that you learned over your 20,000, 25,000 hours that you put into all of this. There's massive value, just personal growth. Go work at a small business where the owner is actually willing to teach you shit. And it's a give and a take, and it's so worth well, it. Well, someone Both asked sides. me, like, you know, how do we train in people that are going to be using Infusionsoft? I'm like, I don't know how to train a newbie to go from, like, I don't know shit to uh, being able to be comp- mildly competent in the software. Like, I don't, that's not my bag. But, yep. like, if you want to make a mm-hmm. badass, if you, if you want to build a badass, yep. <laughs> then I can, sh- I can yep. tell you what's involved with that because I built mm-hmm. one, I built a badass. And so, uh, For sure. I'm transferring yep. my knowledge to him, I'm teaching him things that are, uh, I mean, prob- there's a good chunk of people that probably don't even. The, the thing is, is like the more you go down this path, is like you realize how much you actually don't know, and uh, and mm-hmm. then you also, I, I find myself minimizing what I actually do know until I have to teach it to someone. I'm like, shit, 
I'm like, how the oh, fuck yeah. did I know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. No, that makes it there's a, total there's a book. I think, awesome. Uh, a guy that I respect highly, his name is Aaron Stead. He was my, he was my boss for an extended period of time at Infusionsoft. And it was interesting because we got hired okay. on the same day, April 1st, 2008. And uh, he was a director. We're about the same age and he was getting hired as a director. And I'm getting hired in as basically a grunt. But uh, he was my had I had opportunity to work underneath him at times, and so he he brought sales experience that I had not been exposed to before, as well as other corporate like how to deal with the politics of working in an office. I guess would be the way to say it. And I, I observed okay. that he because mm-hmm. he navigated that exceptionally well to go from a director position to what later was the VP of sales for Infusionsoft. Um, he there was a book he turned me on to. I can't remember the author's name, but it's Thinking Fast and Slow. Have you read that book? Okay, it's the one that I, I would recommend reading. And uh, it goes over this concept okay. of like thinking fast and slow and explaining what those things are. But there's an example of like uh, this firefighter and this like team of firefighters, right? They're putting out this fire and shit. And like the guy who's like this, the guy, the main, the captain or whatever. The I don't know all the ranks within the fire department, but he's like the main dude. So, like, they're putting out this fire, and, like, he gets this feeling where he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, everybody get out. And then they all get out, and then the fucking building explodes or some shit like that. And it has to do with the the fact that the guy has been fighting fires for 20,000 hours. And all it is is an emotional response to something that's happening. And that he recognizes that as something fucked up is going to happen, right? and being able to pull out without realizing it. But everybody else is just standing there, not really paying attention to whatever that, that stimulus that that triggered that in him. And Mm -hmm. and so those are, those things are definitely present. Cause I mean, I've, I don't know about you, but like how much shit have you forgotten? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And it's not even that you forgot it. It's just that it's not like front of mind. It's in the box. That's in the back Mm -hmm. of your head that can be accessed when you think to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have some massive client projects that are, are uh, cyclical basis. So like every year we have to do massive changes. And, you know, between that year passing, not being so involved in it, I need to retrain myself on all the automations, the thought process around what we did. And that's where documentation is invaluable. But like, holy hell, it is really difficult to be, keep everything front of mind, especially when you're, you're solving complex problems and then you, you just time you know, is in between it. It's really difficult. So that's where you need to be able to transplant your brain into documentation and reference that a lot of the time. And and going back to you, Kelsey, where can people find you? Yeah, well, I mean, you can go to getautomated.co podcast forward slash podcast. That's kind of the best way to go uh, at right. the moment. All right, man. Well, I what is there anything else that you uh, want to sh- talk about that we haven't talked about? No, man. Like, I, f- I feel like we talked about quite a bit where maybe we should even break this into two episodes. I might have to do that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I like doing the long ones. Okay. So, okay, cool, man. Uh, well, I appreciate your time today, Alex. It's uh, it, I've, yeah. It's been a pleasure. I've, we talked about a whole bunch of cool shit. Um, that's it. This is Alex Bass with Analysis Paralysis. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I am planning on doing many more of these, so if you could, if you enjoy this, please, if you can make your way over to iTunes and leave a review. Unfortunately, I think that's one of the only areas that that you can really review podcasts nowadays. So if you could do that, that would be 
greatly appreciated. You can just search for analysis paralysis. If you want to reach out to me, because maybe you want to possibly join me on an episode in the future, we can talk about business process automation, efficiency, CRM. Maybe if you're a business owner that's implemented automation. So please reach out to me on Twitter. Alex H. Bass is my handle. Or you can email me at abass at aparalysis.com. Thanks so much.